Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. And welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys very, very much for being with us here for episode number 164. It is Monday, February the 10th, 2020. We are here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling yet again. I'm Joe Morata. I'm joined by Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy doody. Quinn, it's another week in the world of retro wrestling. Another week. Um, very active scene. Very um, active scene in this always, world. They're always wrestling in retro wrestling. There's so much wrestling going on. Over new, new episodes of retro wrestling. We're going to be talking about these new episodes of retro wrestling here as we romp you through that world. Some fun topics in store for you. And thank you, as always, for being with us here. We hope we make your Monday or your week in general a little bit better as we do this for you. Uh, Quinn, before we get to... Are unbelievably retro topics unbelievably for the week. Unbelievably new. Unbelievably new retro. Yeah, new. <laughs> we want to remind you, if you have a Twitter and you haven't followed us yet, you can do that at OVP Podcast. The reason you may want to do that is because we've been posting pretty much on a daily basis, multiple times a day, various retro wrestling clips, sometimes like an on this day type yeah, of thing. Brand new clips every day. Every day. In January, we did Royal Rumble moments for yeah. uh, for the build-up to WrestleMania, exactly. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of that. So follow us at OVP Podcast, okay, on Twitter. And you can also email us if you have an email address at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That is OVPPodcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, there's a really good place if you have a Facebook where you can talk to me and you and hundreds of other retro wrestling fanatics. Yeah, Facebook.com slash New Retro. Yes, it's, right. It's the newest retro action all the time, right? every time. There's a search bar there, which is also a very new concept to the retro people. Oh, what is a search uh, bar? What do so you do? What you, there, it's like a text thing. Okay. You can type the text, right. and you got to type the specific keyword in, of course. What's the keyword? Our vantage point okay. dash retro wrestling podcast. Long keyword, more than one word. And what happens then? Bing, bang, boob, tubes, gore, kaflui. Something pops up that says, hey, do you want to be in this freaking group? And I say, yes, I want to be in this freaking group. And, and then someone lets you in the freaking group. Right. The attorneys, all the people in charge of everything. Binder and Binder. Binder, yes. <laughs> Once we let you in, what you can do there is you can post your questions, your comments, your pictures, your gifts, your gifs, anything you want to talk about as it pertains to the retro wrestling we have one big rule there. Very serious rule, Quinn. Don't be a dingus. Yeah, don't be a dingus rule number one. That's it. If you can follow that rule and just be nice to each other, you don't have to like the same things. You can agree to disagree. You can respectfully disagree. That's right. That's how we do it in the Congress. That That's is how we do OVP it. Message <laughs> That's right. And please be sure to say hi to Chuck Mess on your way in. You have to. Um, that is part of the rules. Part of the so hazing. So make sure you say it yes. on your first post. Hi, Chuck Mess. Hi, Chuck Mess. So that's uh, over on our Facebook group. And now also, we have a Patreon. If you're into that sort of thing where you get extra content. Extra. Maybe maybe you've been listening to our free Monday show, which we do every week uh, for a while now. Or maybe you just jumped on board and you like it. If you want to get more OVP content, we have patreon.com slash OVP podcast. And the reason you may want to join that is because we have live 1983 reviews that are bi-weekly. You get a back archive of bonus shows. And every single month, Quinn and I are doing the pay-per-views, the WWF pay-per-views. Yeah, the pay-per-views. The pay-per-views. The only ones. In order. Uh, yep. Right now, 
coming out within the next like week to two weeks is going to be WrestleMania five. Wow, it's such a serious event. Very serious. <laughs> v. Very important. Very, very v. v. Yeah. Uh, so check out Patreon.com/slash/OVP podcast if you want some more OVP content. But Quinn, this season we've been doing a new segment, as we always do every mm-hmm. season, where we're talking about things that have influenced wrestling uh, from the past and to what we have today. For example, we've talked about. Billy Graham. Right. We've talked about the TLC match. We also talked about Nitro last week. Right. And this one was actually uh, suggested by a good friend of the show who's been with us since the very beginning, the wrestling man himself, Bill Yankovi. Now, would you call these influencers? I would call them influencers. Yeah. Yes, I would, Quinn. That's a very good term. Yeah. Uh, so Bill wanted us to talk about the influence of wrestling on pay-per-view. Contact your local cable system and join us on a pay-per-view basis. Pay-per-view. Pay-per-view. PPV. That's right, the PPVs. Now, if you ever wondered what PPV stands for, it's <laughs> pay-per-view. The more you know. Now, Quinn, pay-per-views have been ubiquitous in wrestling now for damn near 35 years. But before that, it's not like there wasn't a big event that wrestling was built to. And the way kind of things started in the earlier days is you would build to your big house show match or your big local mm-hmm. attraction right? whatever the biggest arena in your territory was that right if you're crockett the omni if you're vince mcmahon madison, madison square, square garden, garden whatever various places all over the country though all of the various territories Vern had his things right and stampede had theirs and yeah the sportatorium in dallas and you would build to your your big show your big card tomorrow night in cincinnati the nwa returns starting at eight o'clock and that's the way the weekly tv that's what it would try to funnel towards. Right. Everyone's like, make sure you come and see me in the fucking Omni this right. weekend, you butthole. Or in Greensboro, yeah. perhaps, right, for you the Carolinas. You buy a ticket because you're going to miss something. Correct. Like, Absolutely right, though, right? And yeah. they would promote the local aspect of it. It was go to your local arena, buy your ticket, yeah. and see this in person. That was the focus. Was get, it's not going to be on TV. Correct. Get butts in the seats. Mr. Backman will be defending the World Wrestling Federation title in Madison Square Garden on Monday night. September the 22nd, and on that night, he will be meeting the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Harley Race. Then, things started to become more televised. The MSG shows started to be televised on cable in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So now you had a monthly MSG show that not only could the local fans go to, but people on TV could kind of look forward to it if they right. had the channel, if they had cable. But then, somebody over at the, uh, the fabulous world of technology <laughs> discovered that hey, we could have them call into this thing, give us their credit card, and then we give them access to the channel. Right. Which is just basically like a freaking ticket to a show. It's the same thing. It's a hot ticket. Yeah, except it's digital or analog in those days, but still. Right. And I guess the genesis of pay-per-view would really be, in a lot of ways, the closed-circuit programming that they used to run. Right. Uh, For example... There was a Shea Stadium show in 72 and in 76 and in 80, and I believe those were on closed circuit. But th- that's a little bit different, right? You had to go to, like, a place Correct. to watch a TV. Right, so like, it was kind of an in-between. It was kind of a right. go-between between watching pay-per-view right. at home and being there in the arena. But the technology caught up in the 80s and allowed for them, well, we can just, if you have a, one of those box things with, yep. the, with the red numbers on it. <laughs> If we can just zap it to that box. Yeah, if you get it from like Saskatel or whatever your yeah. cable company was. Or if, you, if you're really nefarious, you get it from, you know, some guy down the street. Uh-huh. Um, but possibly selling it out of a Buick. A hot box, if you will. Come on, see, I got a yeah. black box for you. Now, usually, see? The, it's, it's usually coming from the same guy who has a trench coat full of weird keys uh-huh. and stuff. <laughs> weird but, keys, right? Yeah. Charlie knows somebody who hooked up his cable. Gets all the pay channels 
for free. It's a beautiful thing. Starcade began in 83. Now, this was a super card, right. first and foremost, but it was also on closed circuit television yeah, so this is from the, 83 to 86. So this is, I think, a point of confusion for people because I'm even of the same. I was always told that Starcade 83 was technically or something, maybe on pay-per-view in like a limited market. It wasn't. Or, it wasn't. It was closed okay. circuit. Okay. But... WWF took that one step further in 1985 with WrestleMania, where WrestleMania, the first one, was primarily closed circuit, but it was kind of a limited test market for pay-per-view. Right. So, But they, that closed circuit market was booming from what Basil DeVito tells us in oh, that, yeah. in that uh, WrestleMania documentary sure. about how, I mean, movie the- they had a lot of movie theaters around the country playing WrestleMania, and that did really well for them. It did. To the point where they actually, like, legacy kept it after pay-per-view because there were people that that was their tradition to go right. to the movie theater every year to watch WrestleMania. Yeah, I don't know when the last one was on closed circuit, but they did it throughout the end of the 80s. I think right, six yeah. was on closed circuit it in places. doing enough business yeah. that, like, they, they retained it, like, as right. a legacy service yep. that they offered. That's absolutely right. But the pay-per-view became the primary business model, and Vince McMahon, give him credit for this, he instituted this where now you would still build to your local house shows because you have to, right. right? World Wrestling Federation action returns to the Onondaga County War Memorial in Syracuse. But the biggest focus and the way the storylines were written and what you were trying to get people to do with your weekly television is pretty much every quarter now when they started doing the big yep. four is you want to get people to buy the pay-per-view, whether it was twenty nine ninety five or thirty nine ninety five right. or whatever they were charging. So, so let's talk about this quarterly sure. feature here. So this affected the booking. Like you said, because you want to get people to buy the pay-per-view for $49 or whatever. Yeah, whatever they're charging. Whatever the hell it was, right? And this affects how everything works, right? So, essentially, like, there to me, it always was like a... It was kind of like a runway, right? Okay. And basically, like, this runway, they would begin the arc for the next quarterly... I always felt it was never exactly after the the pay-per-view. It was kind of like it started, like, I don't know, within two months of the... The, the quarterly pay-per-view right. coming up, right? right? Which didn't always work out. Like, for, between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, obviously, there's a lot less runway, so it's kind of the whole time. So it seems like it's this extended thing. But, for example, the runway to SummerSlam is not immediately following WrestleMania. No, you have about three or four months right, to, exactly. to get that building. And in the meantime, they would do certain mini-feuds that wouldn't build towards a pay-per-view. And, and some of those would be at, like, MSG or something. Right. You know? Stuff that would get blown off either on TV or at MSG or on the house show loop in general. You know, right. each market would have that blow-off match. The Barbarian, he tangles with Brett the Hitman Hart. You know, it's never been a real big secret that the Hitman is a great wrestler. But basically, you're right, Quinn. It affected the way they were now doing television because, like we said, in the past, before pay-per-view... You were basically doing a build towards your monthly big show, and then they would run that feud usually for like maybe three to four house shows in a row. Right. You know, you'd have the DQ finish and where the heel wins or something, and then there'd be another match and usually a stipulation to blow it off, a cage or a Texas death. Yeah, and on top of this, so the reason that you kind of have to do that if you think about it is because unlike the pay-per-view, which is filmed, right? Right. And they can sell a tape later and somebody can watch that match, right? Right. With those house shows... You have to kind of do it three times to get the maximum value out of it because not everyone can make it to MSG in February, but maybe they can make it to MSG in March, in March or right. April or something. And that aspect of doing business obviously was not unique to the WWF, the house show build there. I mean, the Freebirds Von Erichs feud did that multiple times down in world right. class. The NWA would do the same type of thing. But when we get into out of the 80s kind of and into the 90s, now pay-per-view 
is the shit for all wrestling companies. It's, like, it's just the way it works. It became right. the, the predominant business model. Right. right. It's like you have a wrestling company with two to three television programs a week that are all building to their quarterly pay-per-view show. Yep. And then WCW were actually the first to take that one step further. They increased the amount of their pay-per-views, and I believe they hit a 10 a year well before Vince ever did. Right. They also had the unique situation of having Clash of the Champions as a result of Vince's bullshit. Right, right. Um, <laughs> where they, they, had, they already had like a weird like multiple pay-per-view. So it was kind of like, I felt like it was like natural for them to be the first to extend out because they already were kind of doing it anyway yep. with the Clash of Champions shows. Absolutely. And I, I guess sort of WF was doing it with Saturday Night's Main Event, but I mean... Yeah, but those were still to sell the, the pay-per-views. Right, but the Clash of the Champions were treated like actual pay-per-views, right. which is the main difference. Absolutely right. And WWF obviously had a King of the Ring in 93, and then in playing catch-up to WCW, they added In Your House in 95, and we've talked about In Your House, and it was more of like a budget pay-per-view for the first couple of years. Yeah, so In Your House is interesting, because it was like you said, a branding. It was almost signaling like, these are sort of, to me as a kid, I was like, oh, this is kind of like Clash of the Champions on pay-per-view, because I knew what Clash of the Champions was sure. before those. I used because, to love them. Yeah, and I was like, okay, so right. it's like the two hours, like, blah, blah, blah. But then, like, in your house started to get monthly, right? Now we're literally monthly now. Right. So this changes everything. This changes everything because now instead of having your big tent poles, which you still have, you still have the big four, sometimes King of the Ring is thrown in as a big five. Now what you're doing is a monthly and you're building within three to four weeks of television now to each pay-per-view. And sometimes those pay-per-views would carry over to the next one. Right. Feuds would would carry over. There'd be a three-parter arc. Right. I always think of like Triple H with stuff. He was infamous for the three-parter arc. He was. Yeah. Uh, But you're basically accelerating the pace of your storytelling, for better or for worse, obviously. You're shortening the attention span and the expectations of people. And that's how it has literally continued from 1995 until now. And I think there's a net negative somewhere in there that we have to discuss from a creative point of view or from the fans' point of view. Right. So compressing it from pay-per-view to pay-per-view, right? The thing that you had with those quarterly pay-per-views was that they really did feel like a big deal because if I know I, I like to harp on, you know, the superstars and stuff weren't just jobber matches. There were actual feature matches. But not all the but time, But the majority Quinn. of yeah. the show was just Ted DiBiase versus... Phil McGee, yeah, like, Phil you know, McGee, it, it just the hot jobber, just some joke, right? Like, and and so, that's on the A show. The challenge right. barely had feature matches, right? Exactly. <laughs> so this is a card that comes four times a year, essentially. Uh-huh. Yeah, where you're going to see Ted DiBiase versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan, right. or like you know, like some, it is. That, somebody that's not who's also beating the shit out of jobbers. Jimmy Snuka, yeah. let's say SummerSlam '89, so, right? So they fight there. By default, you're asking the question. I don't know who's going to win because both of these guys always win. Like right. they never lose. Very like, good you know point. What I mean? So it's almost like built in, right? And then you layer a story on top of it, right? And because the weekly TV is building to the, towards the pay per view, even the televised MSG shows are kind of non canonical, really. Like yeah. they're not treated like important because you'd get big matches on them, but they never talked about them. Oh no, you know, they, what I mean? like if Hulk Hogan had beat Earthquake 600 times at MSG, why the fuck would you care right. when they got to SummerSlam and they finally put it on paper? Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. So I think, yeah, you're right. Whereas you had in the past, like, the, the squash matches, then it would build to the four times a year. Kind of like in sports, where it's like you have a long baseball season. But right. Then you have the playoffs. The four pay-per-views, that was like the playoffs, basically. That was like, yeah. this is the shit you really want to see. WrestleMania was like the Super Bowl, basically. It's like, these are like the matches that 
maybe we weren't building to them all year, but they're the ones that really matter. It's the right? culmination like, yeah, of everything. Yeah, right? those are those are really the the big time, especially the main event specifically, right. and usually the Intercontinental title match was kind of treated in a, like, this is what the year of the Intercontinental title right. was led up to. And I think we talked last week about how Nitro led to having these superstar versus superstar matches on a weekly basis. In the 90s, it was hard to differentiate the matchups on a pay-per-view versus the weekly Monday shows, yeah, too. Yeah, so it's a weird combination of oversaturation, because like we said, the Nitro encouraged them to do pay-per-view quality, you know, not jobber versus wrestler, huh? but, you know, wrestler versus wrestler yeah, each yeah. week. And then you have the pay-per-views that also increased. Right. So now you have the situation where it's like, well, there's a pay-per-view each month. And really the only difference is, is that the matches on the pay-per-view had some semblance of a story and the matches on Raw, it would just be like, okay, this guy's just to fighting. Move things yeah, along. it's just like Jeff Hardy's fighting Al Snow. It's like they both never lose, but, yeah. you know, what the fuck? Like, yeah, who gives I know. a shit? It's like just like a random. That's what parent. it became, yeah. and I think that led to some complacency in terms of the way they booked uh, Raw for a while. Now, when it comes to the way they do things now, the WWE Network, to its credit, for the last six years now, has kind of supplanted the pay per view format. I know they still offer this stuff on pay per view, but they still do it. They in still the, do yeah, it, yeah, and they still treat it like it's a pay per view. But now we're in a situation where, like, like we've said, it's oversaturated, and that's not necessarily a complaint. It's great to have you know all this wrestling if you like the wrestling, but twelve times a year. Now it's weird because now everyone kind of only knows that WrestleMania is the real important one. Yeah, and it's, to, to an effect, the Royal Rumble and SummerSlam yes. are Survivor Series really is just... Shit the bed, I, huh? I mean, I've always said since the beginning, no offense to Survivor Series, I always thought it was kind of a dated concept after like a year or two of Survivor <laughs> yeah, Series. Right. Like, it's after like, a few years of that. It, like, it was like a novelty the first time they did <laughs> yeah. it. And then like, I don't, I still don't understand why Survivor Series is a big <laughs> four pay-per-view. I, I think when Vince had it like before a year, I mean, it was Summer slam survivor series was hard royal rumble and wrestlemania i thought that was great i think the biggest effect that this has had obviously it was great for fans when there was the big four it was great for fans for a lot of it when there were even once a month you know mm -hmm. when, the, when the product was really good i think the problem is when the product is not as inspired right then you're kind of going through the motions <laughs> right. of, of, of these monthlies and like it goes in ebbs and flows right like as much as everyone like you know now nowadays hates the wf I have to remember, like, it's when when we were in a good period in WF even more recently, right. like 2014. 13, 14, yeah. Right, like, then the pay-per-views were like, oh, shit, I want to watch yeah, the pay-per-view. it'll it's be like, fun. Yeah, exactly, because I'm actually following what's going on with the right. story. It's just, especially when they go in these horrible ruts. Like, yeah, it's which like, they do. You're just like, what the fuck? No mercy. What is this pay-per-view? <laughs> right. like, you know what I mean? You're just like, what is this shit? Fast like, lane. Yeah, it's, it's, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, I know it's exactly just, what you mean. It's just like the pay-per-views seem just like a long raw. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, and when, raw in, in fact, itself is long. they're not even a long raw. They're just a raw. <laughs> yeah. like, they're they both all have commercials now, too. <laughs> they're both three hours. Right. Yeah. They have bad backstage skits. It's the same shit as raw. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like, if, when the TV shows kept getting longer, then you were like, how is this different than Raw? <laughs> right. Like, what is... What, there's a set, I right. think. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Like, and, it, and then even... Then they took that shit away. Remember, they're like, well, everything's just gonna have the same set. And it's yeah. like, what even is this show? I like, know. And now it's like WrestleMania is one of the few that's really treated very importantly. It's interesting to see, though, how it evolved over time because you went from having nothing just your local monthly, and now we are on monthly. Right. It's weird. It almost like went in a circle. You to were... me, it's just an extra show. It's the fifth show of the month. Right. If you think, because if there's four for each yeah. week, it's the fifth it's the show. Fifth. Yeah. I think the main difference is back when there was no pay-per-view and you were just building towards your monthly 
uh, house show, your weekly was crap. Like it yeah. was just meant to get you to the house show. Now, because of the the largely because of Nitro's influence, you know the way TV on is booked now is everything is star studded and everything has these big matches. So you're right; it just becomes a fifth show. Honestly, it's it's an all or nothing approach because, like we said, when the product is good, it's all right. It, right. Everything is great. Right? Like two thousand, for example. Let me just put that in as yeah. a year. Yeah, two thousand. The weekly was really good. Raw and but SmackDown. But the monthly is because... And the monthly was great. virtue of that, right? Because, again, it's just a fifth show, right? Correct. But when it's bad, it's all bad, right? Yeah. It's like even WrestleMania is bad. There's like, been it, years. It, it, that, my point is, is that yep. it's, it's kind of almost a risky approach, right? Because it's like, well, if the product isn't good, even your pay-per-views are shitty. Yeah. Like, because they're just better Raws or something, yeah. or, or SmackDown, whatever whatever program of choice to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's kind of the downside to it, right? Yeah. Is that the pay-per-views get mixed in the shuffle. I absolutely agree. Yeah. And truthfully, I don't think anything is changing. I think it's yeah. going to be like that indefinitely, you know, for, for as long as they can possibly do it. The only thing that will change, and as much as people never want to believe this, and I, I always point back to 2014 because that's like a modern thing. Yeah. It will eventually, they'll stumble on some story arc that people are interested in. Yeah. Like, they always do. Yeah. Like, so it's like, I'm just saying, it's like, there'll be lots of years of bad, there'll be a couple years of good, and, you know, then you'll be like, oh, pay-per-views rule again, you yeah. know what I mean? Like That's true. It's just, that it just again, it's just all dependent on what, what they have going what on. What they have going on, and are people interested in it? I think you're right. You know? I think the overall uh, influence, though, of pay-per-view is obviously a good thing, because it gave the wrestling fans something... That anyone, let's say you like the WWF and you caught them on TV, but you live nowhere close to the local arena. Yeah. It gives something, the same fan in India, for example. To or something to look forward something to. Something to like, look forward like to. Like the live fans have something to look forward and to. And everyone can all experience that, especially now in the day of social media, uh, where everyone can comment on and kind of share it communally. I think there is a good to it. I just, I don't know that 12, you know, 12... A year was tough to begin with. Yeah, I I think also, though, the one good thing about it is that it did make things like the WWE Network possible, which, for better or worse, I I think it's a net positive WWE Network because it allows us not only to have the opportunity to easily watch the pay-per-views each month, and if that's the core business of how that is, that's why it exists, essentially. Correct. But it also... Let's us watch all the old stuff. Yeah, right. And it ar- and it auto archives all those pay per views too. On right. top of it, so it's like every pay per view that ever happens, you can if there's a good one in the recent times, you can go back and watch it. Yeah, like you know what I mean. That's a great point. Yeah, Gwen. I think yeah. Without pay per view, there was no impetus for WWE Network. Right. And now yeah, they get your nine ninety nine a month if you're a subscriber. So if you don't feel like watching the monthly, you don't watch it, and you can watch it later, like you said. Yeah, and if you don't feel like watching the monthly that month, also you also have every pay per view ever. Every freaking Raw ever, right. every freaking SmackDown, Saturday ever. night's main event, every Saturday night's main <laughs> right. event ever, like, and that's just WWF. Yeah, and and then you got all the WCWs, and you got every Nitro. Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's like you have a lot to choose from if you right. cho- if you're like, well, I don't want to watch the pay per view this month. Like, I can, as a wrestling fan, I have to say, like, I watch the WWE Network at least once a month, or like the documentaries reason, that come yeah, out every right. month. Like, that's the other thing. It's like so. So that's probably the biggest positive, other than right. obviously giving us WrestleMania and Royal Rumble and all those yeah, classic pay per views. Pay per view that doesn't exist without pay per view. I agree with you. you know? And that might be the biggest influence. Now WWF again, to their credit, 
they've got a different model going where, yeah, they're still going to write their TV to build to the monthly. But if they don't really care, if they got your nine ninety nine a month, they don't care if you don't watch that monthly necessarily right because away. Because they know that you'll watch <laughs> WrestleMania 3 that month <laughs> right? or some it's shit. Something. And you'll be like, well, I need WWE Network to right. watch that, you know? Yeah. So, folks, that's the pay-per-views, a little bit of its influence. Let us know what you think. Uh, if there's something we missed, if there's something we didn't think of, let us know what your thoughts are on the influence of pay-per-view, wrestling on pay-per-view. Uh, and be sure to let us know that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us or, of course, join the group. But, Quinn, when we come back, we are doing the worst managers of all time. It is the Royal Flush. We're going to be pulling out two more names out of that stinky tank. We're going to see where they rank. It is the Royal Flush of Managers, and that is coming up right after this. You're talking to me from the back of my car, and I can't get nothing right. And then you wonder why I stand with the bar day and night. What's the absolute hottest ticket in town? It's Hot Ticket, the latest in pay-per-view sports entertainment excitement. Now on Hot Ticket, WrestleMania's history and heroes. From the very first WrestleMania, high-stepping into Madison Square Garden in 1985, to this year's WrestleMania 7 in Los Angeles, and highlights from every slam-packed, star-studded WrestleMania in between. You'll see the very biggest, the very bravest, the most exciting superstars in the history of the WWF, sharing a spotlight with the very biggest, brightest superstars from all of sports entertainment. It's the ultimate. It's the greatest. It's heroes and heroines running their stuff. WrestleMania's history and heroes. The stuff that dreams are made of. A one-of-a-kind pay-per-view showcase event. To order, race to your phone, and call your local cable company now. Hot ticket. WrestleMania's history and heroes. Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us, guys. It's episode number 164 here on February the 10th, 2020. How you doing over there, Michael? Uh, I'm good. You are good? It was fun talking about pay-per-view. It was, actually. That was a nice little topic there. Yeah. Mr. Pay-PV. Mr. Pay-PV, yep. Is that his name? That's his name. And folks, if you want to get in on the OVP PPVs, you can go to Mm. patreon.com slash OVP podcast, like we mentioned. Again, we do this really to give back to you guys. If you want to support the show, we want to give you the best possible extra content that we can and make it worth your money there. And really, Quinn, it's not a lot of monies. It's not. It's It's really very few monies. It's not PPV money. No. Oh, my goodness, I mean, this is probably cheaper than any pay-per-view ever was. It's cheaper than the WWE Network, folks. Yeah, it is. The most you'd pay is five bucks, but you can pay as little as two. And here's what you're going to get. If you go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast, you can check out the tiers. For $2 a month, you're going to get the weekly Raw video. That's the making of every Monday show, including the one you're listening to right now. Yeah, you can see what shirts we're wearing right now, um, any screw-ups. What seltzer I'm drinking. What seltzer, what place I got my Coke from today. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Exposing no, for no, no spoilers. Subscribers, <laughs> yeah. You know? But not only do you, do you get to see our beverage choices, you get a back archive of content that includes something like three dozen OVP commentaries where we took a specific match on the WWE Network and we talk about it. And you can sync up with us or not. You also get like a dozen or so Mount Rushmore Death Valley extras where we rank the silliest of things in oh, wrestling. The dumbest, the yeah. like doink. Yeah. The, what's the best doink? What's the worst doink? Yeah, it's kind of fun, and that's only two dollars a month now if you want to tick up one more dollar we're talking three dollars a month you get all that stuff we 
mentioned, and then the bi-weekly 1983 live reviews. We're doing Championship Wrestling from 1983. We're in April right now. So every other Friday, you get a video, or if you want it on audio form, we have that too. It's Quinn and I watching a weekly episode of Championship as we just talk over it, talk about it, see what's going on. And sometimes talk about other stuff, like yeah. say by the Bell or, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's like watching wrestling with your friends. Yeah, basically. it's basically like being on the couch with us. Yeah, that's you know what exactly I mean? what it is. And uh, if something good happens, we're surprised. If something bad happens, we're like, man, you want to talk about French fries? Yeah. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's exactly. just like just exactly what would happen if you were watching with your friends. Yep. And you can watch with us. It's just $3 a month. And again, that's also available in audio form. And check out our YouTube channel for uh, free previews of some of the older ones. We've been uploading the 1982 live reviews uh, chronologically every other Friday as a little free teaser for you guys. So again, that's only $3 a month. And then you max it out at just $5 a month. That's it. Five. five. That's it. Five. 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 Did you catch that number? It was five. Five. Okay. So $5 a month is going to get you all the stuff we've just talked about, plus the monthly pay-per-view reviews. And that's where we're doing this in detail, folks, since the beginning, since WrestleMania, the yes, first one. The first. And we've also thrown in, just for fun, the big event and WrestleFest 88 into yeah, that, which has been so. fun. Uh, and we're making it. We're here at WrestleMania 5. It's coming out this month, folks. It is a big one. It is a long one. It is detailed. It's got the star ratings, yeah. Quinn. It's, it's coveted. It's WrestleMania pink, according to Royal Rumble 89. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, so check it out. It's a fun time. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. We do our best to make it worth your money. Really. We really do. And we also understand if you don't want to donate, it's fine. Really. Just uh, we're thankful that you're listening to the free show. All right, Michael. Yes. You know what it's time for? I think so. It's a royal um, flush. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, it's time for some of the worst. Yes, huh? it is. So uh, what is the royal rankings and royal flush? Maybe this is your first time listening. You want to know what this is. Well, we'll tell you what it is. Before the season starts, we ask you, the fans, to give us a list of your 10 best and your 10 worst of something. And for this season, it was managers. So a uh, big thank you to Joe Merkel, who compiled all of these votes for the us. statistician of OVP? Yes, the chief statistician, Joe Merkel. He compiled all the votes for us. So what we do is we have a tank of the best and a tank mm-hmm. of the worst we pull out two names at a time on alternating weeks right so last week was the best this week we're back to the worst by the end of the season what we're going to come up with is the definitive scientific non-gmo organic baptized ordained healthy usda <laughs> usda approved best and worst managers of all time you want to run down our big list right now? We have two. Let's uh, okay. Let's. I'll run it down. How about that? All right, Quinn. What do we I, got? I'm very good at running things down. Run and it number down. Number one. Wow. The worst manager to ever exist on the face of Earth. <laughs> God's green earth. The coach. Yes. Coach. Remember him? Coach John not, Tolos. Not John Coachman. No, not the, Jonathan. The, the other coach. The really shitty one. Not Craig T. Nelson yeah. either. Number two, um, a guy who likes to sit in a chair a lot. Play the, um, play the cribbage. Yeah, play hearts with Andre the Giant. Um, right. Arnold Skullwind. That's right. Those... Uh, he never did anything ever as a manager. Maybe he was a golden man or whatever. Golden he said. boy. The gold dust trio, whatever he is. Um, <laughs> Somehow a little bit better than coach, though. Yeah, uh, he's a little bit better. Not <laughs> yes, much. Not, not by much. So those are the two that are on the list right now. But right now we're going to pull out two more out of the tank, see where they rank. So let's go down to Howard Finkel. For the Royal Flush. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal. I promise you one thing the Razor's Edge will have no effect on Adam Bomb. But Billah Rahman Rahim, Al-Kalash wa Salaam Alaikum. And I am the proclamator of destruction. Now, they ain't no king and queen no more. 
Just give me one minute alone with that genius. I'm gonna thrash him. John. Bonnie-Bruce, grab a knife, Grandma. Qu'est-ce it's the royal flush of managers. That's right. I love, I love that opening Me so much. Me too. Oh, God. Oh, can we turn the toilets down, please? Always. Thank you very much. We're uh, always out of control whenever we're doing this segment. It is overflowing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Enough already with the toilets here. You got you to gotta jiggle that thing or whatever. Yeah, we got to fix the plunger in that thing there. Yeah. Okay. 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 So we're going to have... Two more coming out of the tank, Quinn, and we're going to see where they rank. It's okay. exciting because, I mean, the lineup of people, the, the potential <laughs> roster here. Woo! The splendor, the drama. What? Yeah, the feces. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, folks, without any further ado, we've run them down already. It's Coach and Arnold Skolan. Two more are going to be joining this week. Why don't we all find out now who drew number three? What is a man like me? Doing in a place like this. That's <laughs> your favorite, Quinn. Paul Ellering. Oh, boy. <laughs> this jerk. Well, I don't like this guy. Well, we have to be objective, Quinn. We are scientists. What do you mean? This is important. This we is can, the flush. We can, <laughs> what are you talking about? Can, like, I was so objective with J.J. Dillon last week, right? But he's okay. <laughs> I know. It's not enough credit. Woo! Paul Ellering, Quinn. This your guy, favorite. too much credit. Way okay. too much credit. So, so he was pretty much... <laughs> the manager in real life and in kayfabe yeah. of the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors. He knows karate or something. He liked I, karate. He liked bodybuilding. He was in shape. Yeah, he was he kinda, very much he, in shape. He kind of looked like um, literally karate Billy Graham. Like, no like a, mini, a mini version of even at one five, point. Six. Remember, he had the skullet at one point, <laughs> yeah, and then he, he did. didn't. Then he shaved the head. Paul Ellering, yeah, most notably as the uh, the Road Warriors manager, he was a precious Paul Ellering. He was a wrestler. What was so precious about him? It was precious to find a good match that he yeah. had. Maybe <laughs> but even this is a guy that you know he says he's a wrestler, but I've seen only occasions where he's like teaming with Legion of Doom. Did he ever wrestle on his own? Yeah, before he was LOD's manager, I believe. Let me tell you something. I'm getting sick and tired of the way business is being handled around here. You guys are treating me like I'm a punk wrestler. I believe the reason that he started managing is because he got injured or something like that, so he stopped. Good. Actually, not good, because then you still have to deal with him. (laughs) So he became uh, the Legion of Doom's manager, or the Road Warriors, as they were obviously known at that time. And he did wrestle occasionally, but the most thing that people remember about Paul Ellering is his very bombastic way of speaking and his extensive vocabulary and all this and his Wall Street Journal or whatever. It always felt like he thought he was smarter than he actually was because he just sounds like a dumb idiot. You think so, huh? Now I got a little story to tell. It's by Mark Twain. Four horsemen, please think about this before you go to the Omni tonight. It's about the cat. It runs around the kitchen and gets everything that it wants. It's like he thinks that he's the orator that Jesse the Body is. <laughs> like the post-wrestling, like, I can talk. And it's like, <laughs> no, you suck. Like, I don't want, you don't contribute anything. You like, nothing it's... at all. LOD or whatever, as much as I don't like them, they're better than you. <laughs> like, you're just useless. Do you think it's a case of uh, a lot of sizzle and no steak, as JR yes, would say? Exactly. Just a lot of ta- a lot of hot air being just blown you around. Can say words. <laughs> I, I'm talking right now. I could. I guess I could just manage anybody, right? Like, well, he is the procurator of destruction, Quinn. Procurator of my ass. <laughs> Ontologist yeah. of destruction. <laughs> but I think that that like that little snippet there epitomizes like. Yeah. exactly what you're talking about yeah like, i am 
Um, I'm yeah. proctulating. Like, the way he... T- it's shut up. Right. It's just... <laughs> seriously, dude. Like, and listen... And he's a face manager? You, yeah, if you're... you, I was just gonna say, you like, you're like, oh, well, maybe he's a heel. Well, I think he was or something he was, before, but... Because uh, they were. Like, uh, Road Warriors, they weren't heels after a very short time. Yeah, like, they were briefly heel. That was yeah. it. And then they were generally always faces, right? right? And he was just so, like, loud and annoying. And that you're not supposed to be that if you're a face manager. And I don't know. Was it supposed to make you think, well, this guy's weird and LODs from the dark side of the moon or wherever the fuck they say? Like, Chicago, I thought. Yeah, no, but I thought, like, <laughs> Hall Ellering is like. Hall uh, Ellering? Hall Ellering. <laughs> I thought he has, like, he's from somewhere weird. What do you mean? Is he, isn't he listening? or something I think from, he's from the like, dark side he's or... from Minnesota okay <laughs> that is a I, weird I thought that state there, yeah I just thought there was something with that but maybe I'm just imagining that the guy is driving his car along and the dog comes out and he continuously barks at this car and no matter how many times the car drives by the dog runs out to meet the car you know what is despite you know we're making fun of the way he talks right, right. And, and just how he's useless there's one big glaring thing about him that we have to bring up or else we're going to get a ton of cards and letters. Uh, Rocco? Rocco. Yes. So, uh, well, I thought you wanted to go through his career first. I, no, I really you don't. You don't, huh? Because well, all he did was manage LOD. He wrestled for a while, right? Yeah, and didn't do anything. And then he got injured. Yeah. And he was not a good wrestler, by the way. He, had a good, he was built well. I'm not going to take he that away from karate, him. karate, I guess. I don't know. I don't even know if that's true or if it just looks like he knew karate. Yeah. But no, the biggest thing that he did is manage the LOD. That's what it's literally he did. his whole career. <laughs> That's what he's known for. Now he, what you said, he was in real life their manager, yeah. so he was actually like on the take for all their like Japan money well, and all that shit. I don't know what the financial transactions were. Well, if he was their real manager, but he's he, actually getting percentage. He was like their in K in K Fabi was their manager, and in real life, he really was like their handler. He actually did handle their affairs for them. You know, he I, must have been getting a paycheck. I would think so. I mean, I don't. Well, I wouldn't want to. do you wouldn't that do it for, for free. free. Yeah. yeah. He probably really did book their flights and arrange their travel and handle that all that. I guess that he actually got a percentage when they were making big money, when they were being booked all over the world. Yeah. There's so, they had to kick back to him yeah. somehow if he was making the deals, right? Yeah, and you know what's interesting about him? Before we even get to Rocco, I'm thinking about Ellery now and how big the, LOD, or the Road Warriors, I want to emphasize, the Road Warriors were. Right. I don't think they needed him in turn in kayfabe wise as to be successful because you got two big ass guys that would have gotten over on their own. They can both talk well, in their own what, way. What do you need that when Hawk can say uh, sour yeah, and glory? Right. Like, but, what, what, like, you know what I mean? But that's like one of the things about the Road Warriors is they could talk anyway. Like Hawk is very entertaining. Yeah, well, <laughs> he yeah. is. His promos are funny. There's one part of our bodies that's soft. And it ain't soft all the time if you catch my meaning. And they got over based on their look and their power and their hairstyles and their face paint and their entrance music. At the initial onset, though, they were just big monsters, right? So it made sense to have a manager with them. They didn't really talk. Very initially. But after that, they would have gotten, they they would have been as big as they were, I think, without him on screen. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's useless as far as, like, if you want to say, like, he made LOD, like, something. I don't think he did. Well, maybe his, like, deals in the background. That's what I mean. But, like... Maybe he they wouldn't need, have gotten to the arena without him. He didn't need to be on screen. And actually, no, he didn't. I, I don't know what the truth is about this, but when they signed with WF, right? In 90. Did Paul Ellering arrange that, their meeting with Vince, and like, if he's their legitimate manager. Like, that's like what uh, I mean. Like, as their I, talent manager in real life. I honestly don't know. Someone, please feel free to fill us in. I don't know what the gap was 
between like 90 and 92 why he wasn't with them. I don't know if he was in real life still, but not on screen. Well, or if he, What I'm wondering is if the deal was, listen, we don't need Paul Ellering because who really does need Paul Ellering? But like, right. we don't need you. We just need to in the maybe in backstage I mean, Paul Ellering. Who knows? He could have fucking been there the whole time and we didn't know. Like, he's just like he worked in an office somewhere and arranged everything. It's possible. Or maybe he decided to step away from the business for a right. bit. That's possible. Yeah. I really don't know the answer to that. But or Vince just didn't want him as an on-air talent. It's I'm not possible. kidding. Like, and they figured let's repackage them in 92, which is when he came back, right? right? So they disappear. They lose the tag titles in February off camera, never filmed to Money, Inc. WrestleMania 8. Gene's like, all right, here they come. And everyone's like, who the fuck is Paul Ellering? Right. Because it's so, WWF. But, if I recall before this interview, like, or something, there's a big surprise. Yeah. And, and like, I remember they introduced Paul Ellering and like, Gorilla's like, oh, it's, oh no, like it's bad or something. Did like, he? It, yeah. Like, I just remember them acting. No, Bobby did. Was it Bobby, Bobby yeah. or Gene or somebody? Somebody was acting like he was going to make them really like kick ass now. All he does is ramble. And that, that promo was horrible. He's right. just like, oh, he's terrible. Is the going up worth the coming down? Who cares? And then a few months later, they get a dummy. Yeah. So they get a puppet, which now I can't tell. This seems like it's Paul Ellering's idea. I think it was. Because or I, Hawk. Who the fuck would propose anything like this? Because this is like. This kind of thing here, this is not in the playbook of, like, anybody else that <laughs> I can possibly... Even Vince, this does not seem like a Vince idea. No, I don't know who... I forget whose idea it was, but it's terrible, isn't yeah, it? it is really, really bad. We all know Rocco, right? right. I and mean, we all know he rode the bi- bike with Ellering at SummerSlam I don't get it. Is it supposed to make Ellering weirder? Is it supposed to make LOD seem like... No, remember? They found him in the... They're like in the scrap of their old house or something, and it like helped them remember that they were good or something. It's like so that. dumb. Well, this is our old dummy. Yeah, <laughs> our old. Why did you have one in the first place? Why did place? they live together? Yeah, when they were kids. Well, are they brothers? No, or what? they're not at all related. <laughs> Do they like? I LOD is so weird. Like what? Whatever the sub canon is about them, like they just are friends. That's all. But are they from like? I don't know, like Mad Max Australia or something like from uh, Chicago. Yeah, I know they say that, but they they act like they're like the Mad Max people. They're not the Mad Max people. (laughs) Ellering also, I got to mention here, folks, before we wrap him up, he returned in 98. And if you recall, he also returned later. But yeah, he uh, he he turned on the LOD in 98 and he decided to manage the disciples of Apocalypse. You know what the funny part is? Nobody nobody remembers that. First of all, DOA was like junk. It was just the two of them. Like, you know what's crazy about DOA? The Harris Nazis. I, I can't tell who was the shittiest one of the three factions feuding, DOA or Los Barriquas. Like, but they're completely interchangeable who sucked compared to fucking Nation of Domination. I think Los Barriquas are probably a lot more talented than we realized at the time. Well, I mean, Harry Chest was amazing. He is good, and yeah. so is freaking Jose Estrada Jr. Right. And so is Savio Vega. Yeah. Savi Vega is good. I literally, but honestly, DOA stinks. To me, the three of those, like Nation of Domination, was clearly the best one. But yes. like DOA was like they're crap. They could have been the worst or Los Barricas of any given Sunday. Is what I mean. Yeah, I think Barricas are a little bit better. But anyway, Ellering did that, and then he came back again. And remember, he managed like the authors of yeah. Pain and Toka shit. and Razor, or whatever they are. <laughs> fucking seriously, their names sound like they're turtles. I know, I know. Like I'm not kidding. And like when that happened. Like, you know what's really funny about that team? I thought they were pretty cool, actually, but, but they're Paul not. Ellering. But Paul Ellering yeah, also. Yeah, no, he was the one that made me like, 
don't like With this. With his leather like, jacket. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and they, I, they can't they acted like he was their, like, dad or something. Like, I'm not kidding. He sucks. Yeah. What's your impression of him? I am good. I am good. That's, like, literally him. The essence of Paul Ellering. He's like shitty Jesse the Body. Like it, he kind of is. I, really, he is. I am good. It's like, I can say things, so cool yeah. like, it's like whatever but it's like a very superfluous v- vocabulary a lot of ways to say nothing he Bockwinkle did that and he was better Bockwinkle was 10,000 times better yeah. than Paul Ellering at Everyone's everything du- there's always a guy that does that gimmick it's not like unique or anything I know he's it's just, just he's different because uh, Mad Max people or he, whatever he's stern and bold yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> that's like part of it that's literally part of his gimmick is he's stern and he's bald I don't like him and he talks like weird and staccato and loud Anyway, staccato. He stinks, and that's enough of Paul Ellering. Right. You ready to find out who drew number four? Sure. Okay, it can't be worse than Paul Ellering, can't right? Be right. There's no way. I mean, he sucks balls, so. <laughs> all right. Let's all find out who drew number four. John. Uh, what? Oh, no. You know, you, why did you just curse it? Like, how, <laughs> I didn't think it could get worse. The but. super sock. Jose Lothario what Quinn. What does that mean? What is what you, super sock? It's better than does a regular he, sock. Does he wear super socks? Orthopedic socks. Like, I, I think I get what it means. Does he like sock them like, like a punch or yes, something? Yes, it but is what it means. Does he wear socks on his hands when he does it? He... <laughs> I don't understand it. <laughs> what if he did back in back in the day I am there? Super sock, John. <laughs> John. Now, Jose Lothario. Okay, let's be fair to this man. Yeah. He was very old when he managed. <laughs> He's very old when he wrestled. He was very <laughs> Now, this is a guy that wrestled in the 50s. I'm surprised he wasn't the 30s like Gorilla. A Mexican <laughs> a Mexican wrestler, and he was <laughs> he was not a star in terms of like he was not oh, a, no. su- a superstar, so, the Super Sock. Okay, I want to s- say something about this when he say was it. when he was a manager, right? Yeah. They acted like this was like some fucking legend, right? He, multi-time world champion or right. something in in some organization that we weren't supposed to know about because you know how WF is, right? right? Like, but yes. at the there was no internet really at that time, so you couldn't really look into this claim. Keyword superstars yeah. on AOL, but I mean, they really acted like. Man, if he can impart his knowledge to Shawn Michaels, uh, he's going to be even better than right. like you know what I mean. This guy is the shit, whatever. Right. And you you come to find out is like well, as you grow up and there's internet and you can look this shit up. And you're yeah, like, this guy was a jobber. Like, yeah, what he the essentially fuck? Like, essentially. Yeah. Now his real name is not Jose Lothario for the record. Really? It's Guada- <laughs> yeah, no, it's Guadalupe Robledo. Okay? That's nothing like Jose. No. Lothario. It's not even Jose. Not even Jose. No way, Jose. I mean, Lothario. That sounds that's fake a word. Because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And he wasn't a Lothario. But anyway, yeah, he he wrestled in the NWA area a lot. His biggest thing, I guess, that he ever did is that he feuded with Gino Hernandez in the late seventies. The biggest was- thing that I remember, man, is just being a jobber in world class. Yeah, well, like, he did that as well. Yeah, and across the ring. His opponent, 245 pound from Mexico City, Super Sock Jose Lothario. What he did do, though, that was very important in real life is he did train Shawn Michaels in right. 1983 84. Now, so that's to, real life. Now, no discredit to trainers or whatever, but um, they, in kayfabe, they tend to act like 
you learned absolutely like everything to how to, to become a professional wrestler from it depends your first on the trainer. trainer. It depends on the trainer. I just mean to say is like Jose Lothario was with Shawn Michaels. Like he was basically the guy that like got him in the business. It's not like he like taught him everything. He or didn't whatever. teach him the super kick. If right. that's what you mean. And, and yeah, that's because that's the implication, right? It's right. like in kayfabe. Right. That's all I'm saying is like they used to do that a lot where they'd be well, like, well, he trained him or right. whatever. But yeah, that's true. But I mean, he basically like for a fee got him in touch and, with and showed wrestling. Him the basics. Yeah, in the basics, yeah. And Jose Lothario has said, you know, Sean was a natural and I think he was only with him for three months. That's all yeah. he needed and he was really that good. Yeah. So but so credit to Jose Lothario for recognizing the of talent. Of course, yeah. I'm not, but, I'm not but that's real life. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. I'm talking to kayfabe here. They acted like this guy, okay. like Sean Michaels, like he learned the like super he needed kick. him. Um, <laughs> yeah. He taught him to kip up and the, right. and the this up uh-huh. and the whatever Sean Michaels does. The chin lock. He taught him how to win Royal Rumbles right. and all One this Foot. shit like you know now jose lothario's managerial career started shortly before <laughs> wrestlemania 12 now we all know the build to wrestlemania 12 it was well done right. whether you like brett or sean or both or neither or whether you like the iron man match or not for 96 it's pretty well done bret hart you know i'm the fighting champion i'll fight anybody all that stuff right yeah. fought the undertaker fought the diesel in the in the lead up Ran on ice, you know, yeah. <laughs> training with Stu. Right. And then they introduced the world to Jose Lothario, most of the world to Jose Lothario, training with John Michaels, right? John. John and uh, doing the upside down push ups right. on the bar and all that stuff and these training montages. Meanwhile, Brett's all bitterly, you know, they had me running on the ice up there. I could fall over. My and dad all beat me up. My dad beating me up in the basement, <laughs> which is really funny. So Jose's there for the lead up to this match, and it's a great matchup on paper. You have mm-hmm. the grizzled by this point veteran Bret Hart, multi-time champion, recognized as one of the best wrestlers, mm-hmm. taking on the other best wrestler in the company, yeah. the more up and comer, yeah. veteran but younger Shawn Michaels. His first real big shot now on pay per view since Survivor Series '92 and since WrestleMania 11 at the world title. Great build. So they throw this fucking bald old man into it <laughs> to try to give so, Sean heat. No, so what I don't understand is like, was Jose supposed to be Sean Stew? Like, you know what I yeah, mean? But we don't need that. <laughs> Go home and eat some stew. I don't know why when you were explaining all of this in my brain, I was imagining. First of all, why didn't Stew come out with Brett? Would've I'm not t- kidding. Like, would have taken two hours. <laughs> but then, like, I, I also <laughs> this is this is gonna this is this is stuff that only comes up in the flush because I can talk about it. Go ahead. My my shower thoughts. Yep. Imagine turn the water they, on. Imagine if they did. Like you know how John when you know how he like he stood on the first rope and like pointed, pointed and Sean came. Imagine if Stu was in the other corner and he did it, and both Brett and Sean came down on like zip lines towards each. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. Stu would have broken her hip getting on the rope there. I just, I don't know. Like, he basically was the Stu counter, though. We don't right? want that. We don't need that. <laughs> but that's Jose Lotharia for you. That's, like, I can sum him up. He's basically Shawn Michaels' Stu. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Fine. Let's, yeah, that, let's that's t- literally, you can tell that, that the writing was on the wall. That's what they were going for. Yeah, the writing was on the rolls in Sanskrit. It was so old. <laughs> yeah. So let's take that thought and run with it. So Shawn Michaels puts on the performance of a lifetime. Obviously, doesn't win because time runs out. What do you mean? He but, won. I don't know what you're talking about. And Gorilla Monsoon, one of the rare times I don't like him, he's like, no, we have to have a winner. 
So we well, rest- it's not like he awarded the match to Sean. Listen to me. He restarts the match, which is very unfair because Brett clearly outlasted you- the time limit. I get that. But this is fucking WrestleMania. You would have been happy if it was just a draw. If Brett, like that, well, if Brett retained. That's if Brett retained. That's bullshit. And then Brett had like Even this- Brett would have been like from, you know, I could have beat him if it was an hour and a half or you know, whatever. If I had 10 more minutes, I would have won. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it would have just... It, play that out the opposite way. <laughs> like, know. you know Brett would have been know. fucking bitching for months on, on end about, you know, if only oh, 10 minutes, whatever. Like, shut the fuck up. And Brett had the uh, the heart spew on his mouth for yeah. this one. So he gets back in the ring. John wins, right? Boyhood dream, all that crap. Why did they keep Jose Lothario with him right, until January of 97? It's so long. <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah, it's like he doesn't, like, he was literally there to be the stew counter, and then he was just stew, but if stew could walk a little better to the ring. Yeah, he's eating stew at the lunch counter is right, what he's doing. Yeah. So this is what, this was a very big detraction, in my honest opinion. I it like, was, I agree. I, I was like, like why Sean. is this fucking old man right. here? So I'm going to give you an interview question here, Clem, because yeah. um, you're a big Shawn Michaels fan, right. and I'm, I'm not taking that away from you. And at the time, I know you were very excited when Shawn won the title. Right. Well, let's just establish that for everybody. You were very, very into Shawn Michaels. As a 10-year-old fan at the time, you must have even realized that this 30-year-old, you know, the heartbreak kid world champion, that having this grandfather trudging around with him was lame, right? Did you? Okay, did yeah. even you yes. get that? Okay. Now, I want to say this about him. As a fan, he felt like he was barely there. Like, right. That, that's the one thing I want to, in all fairness, say. Right. To me, it was detracting, but it wasn't, like, overt. Like, it wasn't loud. It was just kind of like... It'd be like, oh, and there's Jose Lothario with them. And you'd just be like, that's weird. Like, why? Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're not, like, upset about it. You're just like, he's not going to help him. So, like, why? True. Like, who gives a shit, right? It's like, and he, he can handle himself fighting fucking mankind and right. shit. And he didn't really talk for him ever. Yeah. It's not like Sean did all his promos Sean himself. Sean just like God's green earth and whatever, <laughs> you know? You know, I want to apologize to everybody and especially to Shawn Michaels. Now, unless they kept him there specifically because they wanted to build to when Sean lost the title. Which I can understand. Maybe, do you think maybe that's why? It's it, possible. But because that got aborted or whatever with the Bret Hart, maybe the next year is what I'm thinking. Well, I don't know because it would have been po- like kind of poetic where like Jose's with him when he wins right. it and he's with him when he loses it. Because they did, he did factor in the most useful thing he ever did was get hit by a camera with Sid. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, that it was. cost Sean the belt. He did in- inadvertently. And uh, obviously they played that up where Sean just didn't even care that he lost the title. He was so upset that Jose got attacked. And then, of course, Sid attacks uh, Pete Lothario, his yeah. son, on that so, one raw. So do you think that maybe that was, like you said, maybe you're right, but maybe they did it earlier, right? Because they did it with Sid. Maybe it was meant so that Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels at the next <sighs> WrestleMania, which was like the initial plan. Maybe, or, it, you know, I've heard a lot that it w- was supposed to be Vader beating Sean, you know, and that might have been the spot instead. This actually, like, brings up some weird stuff. Do you think they were always planning to turn Brett heel maybe earlier than we really think? Oh, and what I mean by I that know. is maybe Brett would have pushed over Jose Lothario at WrestleMania um, 13. I don't know. Like, I know that Brett wanted to feud with Sean and then become a team, so I don't know if Brett would have ever turned heel or or if he would have in that. Wow, then, become a team? That was, that was, it. That was Brett's cards, idea. Right? I'm not saying that Vince said that, but Brett, be like the fucking technical mega powers or something you know what i mean <laughs> the like techno powers yeah that, that's a valid thought though folks if you have any insight let us know but yeah that was it for him jose returned one last time um at royal rumble 97 as sean's manager 
uh, when he regained the title from right, Sid. Right, San Antonio. In that was San Antonio. The, uh, yeah, local. Where, where Jose trained him. Right. And, and taught him the super kick. And then he actually appeared once in like 99 when Sean what? was the commissioner or something. Excuse and, uh, me? Yeah, and like Vince beat him up or something like that. I don't that. even remember that's that. That's okay. I didn't yeah. either until I was told. I know. You just suck. But that's really it for Jose Lothario. I think it's ranking time if you're ready to rank here. There's not yeah, much else sure. to say about him. So we're starting here again. The two on the board, folks. This is very serious. Oh, it's it's extremely serious. This is very meticulous. We yeah. have Coach John Tolos and Arnold Skoland. And now we have Paul Ellering to deal with. So mm-hmm. what, are, what are we thinking right off the bat here, Michael? Well, right off the bat, he's worse than Arnold Skoland. Do you really that. think so? Paul Ellering, are you serious? But Arnie didn't do anything. It's almost better because Paul <laughs> Ellering doing stuff was offensive to me. Like, <laughs> he shouldn't have ever been involved with them. Do you think he added anything maybe in the early days? He is a horn, Joe. He, he horns in because he's their real manager. I purely believe that. Like, he doesn't really belong there. Do you like his promos? No. <laughs> he adds nothing but a puppet, and that's horrible. Why don't you like his promos? Because they're just, they're nothing. They don't mean anything. Do you like- it's like, listen, the Ultimate Warrior does that shit, but he's the Ultimate Warrior. He's like in a league of his own. It's like- This is true. It's, it's a whole thing. Or Hogan it, when he's like on a, the Joy like Juice. It's like a fucking vibe or whatever. Right, right, right. But Paul Ellering- adds nothing like it's like literally like if i want to hear about weird shit hawk can just do the same thing hawk like, is better at it yeah so animal is better you know animal is better promos yeah animal is better he is and a snot face and a, you know what you know how i know hawk, animal would he always talk about boogers and shit hawk is very juvenile too yeah they're, but they're very juvenile to, likes to bring up the the, the boogers he likes boogers. Hawk likes bodily functions, I yeah. think, and things getting squashed, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and then we're going to run him over with a truck, whatever he does, yeah. right? Paul Ellering stinks, you're right. Yeah, it's like, I'm the procrastinator. Of, I'm the procrastinator. Yeah, I'm a procrastinator <laughs> of, of, of fun. What, I, he sucks. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just trying to be nonsensical because it's my yes. only way to describe him. Like, but, it's nonsensical. But what makes him worse than Arnold Skoland? He doesn't add, like kind of reputability to them like Ar- arnold skull and his whole point is like he was an old wrestler and it, it was so, so old, was Ellering. It, you know it was back in the 1930s or whenever arnold skull in the depression yeah in sure. the depression and so like oh he must have been through some shit so i guess he's like he knows what he's talking about he, right he, he was more like paul a sports Ellering, agent paul ellering is like i'm from the dark side of the moon and weird and procrastinator and i blah, blah, like blah. pink floyd yeah i like whatever you know you, see, you um, know what i mean like how does that add to Legion of Doom? They're already fucking crazy. They wear those spiky things and right. stuff. Like, and they just kill people in a minute. Yeah. They don't need him. Paul Ellering, it's not like he helps them either. I mean, I think he was in like one war games with them. Yeah, 87, I think. The, the one with karate outfit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, now, Arnold, you don't need either. But when he's there, he's not offensive. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. And actually, he played into the story at one point when he threw in the towel. That or whatever. is. Yeah. He threw in the katow. The I don't remember Paul Ellering ever adding a storyline thing other than Rocco. Right. <laughs> now, but Ellering's in much better shape than Arnold Skoland. That doesn't matter. I know. You know, if he's, he's, in, good sh- if he's in good, so much good shape, why doesn't he help them when they're in trouble? Because he sucks. Yeah, exactly. Is he worse than Coach? Maybe. No. Is he? Coach did nothing. We, we've talked about how, like, we're not sure why people hate him so much. Do you well, know what I mean? Yeah. With that, like, it's almost like without reason. Other now, wh- than he's not Bobby. Now, are they both annoying, Coach and Ellering? 
Yes. Is one but supposed Ellering to be? <laughs> is more because he's literally around more. Which one's supposed to be annoying, though? Coach is supposed to be. Coach is supposed to be. Paul Ellering's just annoying because he look, exists. At, look at Eam. Like, Listen to Eam, yeah, right? exactly. Coach with the whistle is supposed to aggravate you. Ellering with the newspaper and like, I am the best. Is- I am God. <laughs> the Hawk. And I don't, it's, yeah. Yeah. He, he stinks. He's so annoying. <laughs> like, why did they do this? Why? There's, you know what? I think all you need to know, it, right, yeah. is that this guy sucks so much, right, that when Vince signed LOD, right, at that point in time, Paul Ellering, when they were signed, he was like with them always, right? I guess so, yeah. And clearly, I, don't know. I mean, I'm just saying. Either way, Vince didn't reject it because there was no pe- Paul Ellering. Or if Paul Ellering wanted in, whatever happened, he wasn't there, and Vince was okay with that. And it's, the- it's my, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and then when they brought him in, it made it worse. Right. In '92, exactly. it was worse. Yeah. When they had him there, it was shitty. They didn't need him. They never needed him ever, ever. You know, he's just like the hanger-on friend. That's nice that they kept him. I guess he was their friend. He or helped whatever. him in real life. Yeah, he helped in real him in life. real life. But he didn't need to be an entrepreneur. He could have sat in office somewhere and like read know, his paper, read his paper, counted and his like, monies, you know, got a bag boy to pick up their bags and help him at the airport or whatever managers do. But Quinn, he's very smart. You know what? I you know what? I'm not even going to argue that he's smart because clearly he's in he, Mensa. He hard, oh. he helped. He helped do something so that they in could get, real life, like, in real life, they oh. get contracts. But as far as an on-screen character, he should have never been there. Okay, I agree. Uh, yeah, <laughs> kind of like John. John, like, you know? Yeah, yeah. Again, folks, just to be clear here, we're not talking about real life. So no, we're I, talking I, about I, I on-screen res- kayfabe. The the proof is in the pudding with real yeah. life. What yes, he did because correct. they they made a lot of freaking money in various like, promotions. Yeah, in various promotions. So obviously, Paul Ellering is smart as an actual businessman. Yeah, he just has no business being in. Like the actual like on screen role, I can get behind that. Are we sure we want to put him above the coach? Final yes. answer, okay, one hundred percent. I don't disagree because yeah. I think that he's an aggravating presence, and I think he's kind of useless. And they're supposed to be faces too, <laughs> and he's aggravating. Like you know what I mean? And they don't need him, right? Okay, let's put Ellering at number one. I'll yeah. do it. But now we have John, John. <laughs> Jose Lothario. What are now, you thinking this here? Guy extra didn't do anything. So but- did Arnie. Extra but, didn't do anything. But I think Paul... Very uh, similar. Not Paul. I think freaking Jose is next level nothing. You think he's worse than Arnold? Literally, even in the vignettes, he's just like hanging out in a, with a stopwatch and a, swishy, there. and a swishy <laughs> suit. Remember, he's like next to him and he's just doing nothing. I think there's like another guy on the floor counting Sean's push-ups and Jose's just kind of like in a corner. So I'm not... There's like an assistant. I like how you're all serious It's ridiculous! <laughs> This was insane. And did he ever manage before this ever? I don't think so. I think yeah. he was just a wrestler. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he wasn't really a manager. Like this, I got it. Like to me, right. here's the thing, right? Yes, yes, if yes. you're going to show Stu beat up Bret Hart or whatever, you got to <sighs> yeah. have like Sean having the same kind of old man mentor. Right. And, and that's fine. Socking Sean in the face. Right. Like this in Syracuse. Is, this is fine for like WrestleMania 12. But only WrestleMania <laughs> yeah, 12. That's the problem. Like, it should never have gone on after it. And I don't know why it did. Like, I'm not kidding. For like eight months. <laughs> you know, why yeah. was it so long? You know, Every it, match that Michaels had that is good in 96, Jose Lothario is just there. You no, know, I'm just thinking. Like, what? I don't know. Again, this has nothing to do with it. This is just 
Quinn shower thoughts. Oh, turn right the water here. back on. <laughs> you know what would have been cool too? What? Is if for some reason, like during WrestleMania 12, if like Stu is like, I'm disappointed in Brett, and he like trained Sean instead. Yeah, I don't think you can you really hang with the, 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 the best wrestler, Sean Michaels. Imagine <laughs> Stu Hart and Brett Sean's corner. Yeah, do a super kick, uh, get your leg up there and tear the <laughs> ligaments and the bones. Anyway, <laughs> it would have uh, been just as good as great. Would have been ju- just as good, if not better than Jose Lothario. Would have been better. Anyone would have been better yeah. than Jose Lothario. Literally. Yeah. But in terms of the old man does nothing, right? Yeah. You think you think Jose Lothario is worse than Arnold? I mean, at least Jose was there all the time and stood. Yeah, but he it, didn't sit. Arnold also managed Backlund like as infrequently as he did, but like for the whole seven years or whatever. So I'm sure that added up to more fucking appearances than Super Sock ever did. Yeah, but what makes like, what makes let's be honest. What makes Sock worse than uh, Arnold? <laughs> At least Arnold, I can buy it because he was like a top guy in WF before. Like, and he managed Bruno also. Managed Bruno also. Like with Super Sock, it's just who this is old this old man, man in a fucking sweatsuit. And then when you finally look into him, it's like, oh, he was a big fucking jobber <laughs> and world class, and like no one ever really knew about him. He didn't even handle Sean's affairs properly. Like, Arnie, you knew, was doing shit for, yeah. for Backlund and if for anything, Bruno. he was keeping Andre at bay. Yeah, that's all he was title. doing. Like, right. they could play hearts with him. So, but you, you can't picture Jose, like, hanging out with Sean, helping him out. Oh, no. In no way did I ever envision that post-match, Sean and Jose were hanging out. Right. Not, like, not at all. Especially, even looking back, with the real Shawn Michaels, what he was doing back yeah, then. Yeah, the real Shawn, yeah. There right. is no way... Other than at the arena that he spent time with him. Right. Now, you don't think Kayfabe Sean had Jose over his house ever? No. no. Not even. Like him. Well, because Shawn Michaels, like, the character was still sexy boy boy toy, so he was probably at, like, the bars or whatever, you know, getting Pamela Anderson's of right. the world to yeah. go out with him. Right, right, right. Like, the, the, at least that's getting the character the of Shawn Michaels. I know. Uh, you know what? That's the worst person they could have put with him for nine months. An old... Saggy man, and I have nothing against Jose Lothario, I promise. I really like, don't. Should, should, like, honestly, shouldn't Sean's, like, mentor in the story, right? Like, right. you know how I was saying, like, they acted like Jose Lothario, like, taught him the super kick and taught him how to strip tease and all this shit, right? <sighs> <laughs> well, his last name is Lothario, Let's right? stop it right now. <laughs> but my point is, is, like, for a, for a character like that, shouldn't it just be like a slightly older version of him and they're both going out to the clubs together and like, you Who's, know, who is a slightly version, a slightly older version of Shawn Michaels? Rick Rude. Rick Flair. I just mean like Buddy Rogers. Rick Rude was, was hurt during that time, right? Wouldn't it make a lot more sense if a guy like Rick Rude was Shawn Michaels' manager? Like, kind of. I mean, he did do that a year later. Right, exactly. <laughs> was That's why good. I was always like, that makes sense, <laughs> That was right? kind of good. Like, Rick Rude, like an older, like, even though he wasn't that much older than him, but I'm just no. saying, it's like, they could just be like, Rick Rude, like, ha-ha, like, <laughs> they show him at the, like, clubs or whatever, <laughs> like, he's like, oh, but I was also a good wrestler, so, it like, was. I can impart some knowledge to you, and we can also, like, chase women or whatever, <laughs> whatever their alleged characters are supposed to do. Right. You know, that's all I'm saying. Jose Lothario, on the other hand, this guy's like fucking in a rocking chair and right. he goes to bed at eight. Like I, you, know, you know what I mean? Like what? What? Let him, yeah, it's doesn't, bad. It You're doesn't right. fit at it, all. It's bad. I'll tell you what. I think that Arnie was kind of useless, but Arnie didn't detract from Backlund or Bruno or anything. No, he had and a credibility. Backlund's also boring, so Arnold Scullin fits sense. right in. I think Jose Lothario detracted a bit from Sean. He's like the opposite. Like he's yeah. not. 
like him. No. So I think we put him, you know, worse than Arnie. Is yeah. he worse than Coach? Um, They're both mm-hmm. old men that didn't do anything again here. I got to say, though, I, I think that what's helping Coach so much is it's like two months or something. And he could talk, just not it, in WF. To me, it's, right. it, it, to me, it's unreasonable outrage. I like, agree with you. You know what I mean? Like, I actually agree like with it's you. It's insane. I want to remind everyone that only the fans vote on these. Quinn and I just do the rankings. Yeah. Okay, so it's going to be between <laughs> Ellering and Jose this Lothario. This is so hard for me, honestly, yeah. because I don't like either of these guys. I think Jose Lothario is worse. I do too, yeah, actually. I, I think I, he is. I didn't want to say it, but like... No, I do. I feel like we're rushing here, but it's like... No, no. We're not rushing. It's so obvious that he's Jose worse. Is, like, is bad. Like, Ellering sucks, right? right? And Ellering wasn't needed. At least he sort of fits LOD. But, but he fit in... I was just going to say that. He fit in with the LOD. He was kind of like... He didn't add to them. No, but he yeah. was kind of like their... Um, their not compass, but you know, like they kind of like their compass, like their their core, where it's like you have these two big brutes, and he was the smart guy. They're both weird, and he kind of yeah. directed them, yeah. right? And which he really did do in real life, anyway. Jose Lothario, even from a kayfabe point of view, what the hell is he doing for Sean? <laughs> Nothing, because here's the thing, right? It's like it's all nice, right? And I didn't mean to be mean to wrestling trainers or anything. That's not what no, I meant. No. It's just that it's I meant the like kayfabe aspect of yes. it. But even in kayfabe, right? Jose Lothario, if he's already imparted said knowledge and this guy fucking won the championship, what the fuck does he need him he for? He doesn't. Like, That's the whole he thing. He doesn't if he taught him the super kick or whatever, well great, he knows the super kick. Like right. why does he need this old man to be there that might get like a gust of wind might push him over and then Sean's gotta go help him outside. You Pretty know? much what happened. Yeah, you know, but I'm serious, I like, know. right? Yeah, I agree. I think that Shawn Michaels would have been better off without him. It didn't like kill his run, clearly. No, but it just, it just it, it, it didn't it was help. like Here's the thing is like it didn't hurt it too much. What hurt Sean's run was just the company in general. He didn't have any opponents. Like Yeah, I know. You know, it wasn't Jose Lothario. No, However, but it didn't like help. They'd always waste five minutes of my time that Jose Lothario would like come out and be like, Oh, and by the way, Jose Lothario's with them and he'd be like, eh. Super you know, so- Oh, he also feuded with Cornette, don't forget. He well, had that, a match yeah. with Cornette. I don't know why Shirtless. that was in there. Did Shirtless. Sean even like help him? No, he didn't need to because Cornette was so fat and stupid. Uh, so Jose Lothario is going to be number one, isn't he? I yeah. think he should be. I he's think, terrible. Look, I hate. El- I, I think Ellering is crap. Yeah, I think he's kind I mean, of as much as I want Ellering yeah. just out of my pure like not liking right. him as manager. He's like, a sidler. Yeah, he's a, side- <laughs> he's a horn. Yeah, he's very horn. Very horn. But Jose Lothario, I'm sure he was a sweet guy in real life. No, I'm sure yeah, he's a nice man. He did seem nice. I I will admit, I, I guarantee you, he never really hung out with Shawn Michaels after he trained him, and Pro- even when he was there, right. he probably just showed up for work. He probably has Werther's Originals in his pocket if you want one. <laughs> yeah. But he stinks, and he should not have been there, and he should be number one. Are we in Werther's agreement? Originals. Well, they're good. All right. Are we in agreement? Such an old man, Candy. Grandfather. Yeah. All right. <laughs> are, we, are we in agreement here? Yeah, that? yeah. Definitely number one. All right. So, folks, for week number two here, our updated rankings here. At number one, the Werther's Original himself, Jose Lothario. Number two, Paul Ellering, who stinks. Number three, moving down, is the coach. And number four is Arnold Skoland. Folks, be sure to let us know your rankings. You can do that on the Twitter, at OVP Podcast. You can email us or you can join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, we are going to be going up north again. It is time for World Grand Prix Wrestling. That review is coming up right after this. Hi, Grandpa. Hey there, Ryan. Grandpa, Hmm? you can't imagine how many different butter candies I just saw in the store. 
Yes, I can't imagine that. But you can't imagine how many of them had golden wrappers. Well, I can't imagine that too. But Grandpa, can you imagine that there are people who actually buy that other stuff? <laughs> no, I cannot imagine that. <laughs> John. Hello, wrestling fans. It's Joe here. And while we're on a break, I just wanted to take a moment to shout out three friends of the show. Check out the wrestling podcast about nothing. That's WPAN, hosted by three guys that have actually worked in the actual wrestling business. I'm talking about Mike Crockett, Brian Malonis, and Brian Fury. They're going to bring their unique perspective as fans, but also as people that actually work in the industry to a very creative and entertaining podcast, the wrestling podcast about nothing. And then check out Greetings from Allentown, hosted by one man, Peter Winston. He'll take you on a whimsical journey through retro wrestling's past. It's unique. It's quirky. It's Greetings from Allentown. And finally, if you like your retro wrestling slathered in barbecue sauce, check out Mike Mills and Book in the Territory as they bring you the very best in the Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking about Smoky Mountain and the NWA. It's Book in the Territory. So again, our three friends of the show, the wrestling podcast about nothing, greetings from Allentown, and booking the territory. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the retro wrestling podcast. It's episode number 164. And Michael Quinn, we are reviewing something. Yes, we are. We do this. Every week. We are revisiting a promotion that we haven't (sighs) done in like 100 episodes been a long time thankfully we haven't done in 100 episodes <laughs> this uh you know we've been in the south for the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. I, I figured you know what we got to get more northern and quinn you can't really get much more northern mm. than the maritimes the maritimes <laughs> I, I said they're at sea what is this <laughs> that's like, the name of the provinces we're talking about your nova scotia's your prince edward islands new brunswick yeah that's the maritimes for you now we're doing World Grand Prix Wrestling, so, Quinn. Okay, excuse me, World Grand world, Prix. Not I Atlantic that anymore. Was Atlantic. Well, I guess they called their show World. Now it's just known as Grand Prix Wrestling. Now, yes, this promotion still exists. What? Which is just incredible to me. It's been around for 50, 60 years. We should review a new episode of this. <laughs> we should. It'd be funny. Be like, what? Now, you know who founded this promotion? Who? Emile, Frenchie Martin. Emile, <laughs> Emile Dupree, who is... Oh, is he related to... Rene Dupree's yeah. dad. Okay. Yes. So Mr. He, Dupree. Yeah, and this is Mr. Dupree. This was an interesting promotion, actually. A little bit different, because from what I understand, for the most part, they only ran uh, shows in the summertime. You know, it was That's more like a odd. seasonal promotion. Again, it's really cold in Canada. Maybe they're just like, nobody's going <laughs> to... Nobody's like, going nobody, to come out for this in, if it's not like 50 degrees out. Yeah, it's like yeah. high. It's a high of negative 10. You yeah, know exactly. I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, this uh, this promotion we did at the one time, uh, like I said, over 100 episodes and ago. it was hideous. And it was very rough. Now, we did an older episode. This one's a little bit more modern. By modern, I mean from 1989. We'll get to it in a second here. But, yeah, Emile Dupree ran this there. There's a lot of... A lot of people, believe it or not, I guess because it was so seasonal, passed through this promotion. Now I'm, not- I'm guessing because it was an easy job to get. Yeah, like it was right. No, who the fuck is doing, like, <laughs> ser- like who? Nobody cares about this. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess if you lived up there, and if anyone listening did live in one of these provinces and watch this show on a weekly basis, because I know we have Canadian listeners, mm-hmm. I actually want to hear about it because I think that if this was the wrestling you had and you grew up with. It must have been a big deal to but you when this came around. This isn't even a big territory if it's just the Maritimes. It's not like 
a lot. It's not like a big part of Canada. That's like no, just like not. a corner of Canada. And it's not a hotbed the way Montreal was yeah. or the way Stamp- well, Stampede in its own little self-contained yeah, circle. But, but Stampede seemed to have a bigger Reach. surface area, it did. I suppose. Western like, you know, Canada and Montana. Yeah, <laughs> and even leaked into some of the U.S. and it stuff. Right. But like this, on the other hand, this is like literally like the New England of Canada. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like just this like corner at the top. I'm sure Mike Crockett and yeah. Brian Malonis and uh, Petey will appreciate that one there, Michael. Uh, yeah, but so this is a weird promotion. It is, um going to say it off the bat here, it's better than I expected, which is not saying as much because I wasn't expecting anything well, based I was on last time to be a total piece of shit <laughs> because last time this was like, this was one of the worst was at the time the worst crap like this is the thing with the wall with the curtain on it and just the conduit like, next to the fucking <laughs> yeah you might get electrocuted because yeah. literally like the power sockets were like next to the, <laughs> to the like, ring next to the rope it was weird like yeah but this is a bit better than that so uh i say we get into it folks and again i just want to remind you if you it really if you watch this growing up if you were someone out there in prince edward isle first of all turn your heat up yeah. second of all let us know because i'm interested to find out here so sit back relax have a werther's original here as we get into <laughs> world grand prix wrestling june the 10th 1989 michael and now my first i just had to say this yeah. you had to do this show <laughs> like this was joe's idea yeah and i mentioned recently on some Last other week. shitty show insert show here right yeah. <laughs> i said well at least it isn't grand prix right yeah, grand prix and now on top of it you give us the world edition of grand prix <laughs> what the fuck like, not, not atlantic not world they've expanded <laughs> even though they have it yeah i know what, like, how is it world it just sounds better doesn't it but it's only again that corner of canada it's our the- own little world this is a fine promotion. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Richard Land for picking this one. It's mm-hmm. available on YouTube if for some reason Thanks, you want to watch it along with you. Uh, this th- feels like it's explicitly picked to piss me off. I thought this would be a good one, Mike. Yeah. Rather dump. Yeah. So uh, we're, <laughs> we're greeted here by a logo that looks like it was designed for a dishwasher detergent or something like that. Or perhaps an 80s cereal <laughs> ad. It looks like fucking Total. Yeah. The font was weird, wasn't yeah, it? It, it, it really, struck me as odd. Yeah, even like the happy like picture in the background, like yeah. really bright yeah. on, on top of this like dark red. Right, right. Like it's just a very like Total it, very advertising like, yeah. centric, right? Yeah. The music under it though, honestly, not bad. It was okay. Yeah. Uh, so we're joined here. We're welcomed by Gare. 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 Maxwell. Yes, Gare. First Gare. of all, let's just Gare. 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 <laughs> Hello again, wrestling fans. Gare Maxwell with you, World Grand Prix Wrestling. And he's got his tux and his very flat hair. And he's from the Coke Can <laughs> Arena. On location at the Coke Can Arena. I c- cannot even make this up. This whole time, Joe, I, the, when I first heard Coke Can Arena, <laughs> and I was just like, what? And like, I'm, I, I thought. For sure. I thought, I'm just, I'm hearing that wrong, right? It cannot be that. On location at the Coke Can Arena. And there is multiple times that he says Coke Can Arena. There's like, they're they're promoting other events. They're like, yeah, in the Coke Can Arena. And I'm like, what the, f-? like, that cannot be that what, is what, what he's saying. Coke Can Arena. You no, know, it is what he's saying. He's saying Coke cool Can Arena. names an arena that? <laughs> It's like, not really spelled that way, but it's what it sounds like. Is it like it's Coke Canada It's like a arena? French word. It's like. C O G. I forget what it was, but you know it's it's pronounced cocaine. On location at the Cocaine Arena. Maybe yes. Cocaine Arena. 
No, that'd be WrestleMania five. I think Cocaine sounds funnier. <laughs> anyway, Gare here needs a uh, he needs a Gare cut as we throw to a uh, ring announcer Joe Siegel, who sounds like he just did some nil weight versus the farm. Yeah, he's his own on screen graphic that looks like a TV credit because it's like in the middle of yeah, the screen. It's weird, and they're like panned out, and it says ring announcer in like tiny right. Uh, like uh, it's weird. He's a very poor ring announcer, yeah, by the way. He's, he's terrible he's at bad. it. I didn't even remember he was there the whole time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, our first match on today's program is a tag team action match. The ring looks like the Hardy Boys made it in their backyard or something, that kind of feel. Can the Coke can arena, it looks like dog shit. It's that cross between Continental and Puerto Rico kind of thing. Yeah, like dirty and yeah, kind dirty. of just musty. Like, looks like if a drop of water went on it, it would like <laughs> it would just melt away. Right, right. It's so poor. It, it's not good looking you on know, TV. It's got the shitty, like, the apron cover thing it's, that it looks like it's a piece of plastic. Looks like they made it out of vinyl or something. Yeah. It's just it's <laughs> shitty looking. Like at the harp. Anyway, yeah. uh, Joe Siegel here says our first match is a tag team action match, which it's much Excuse better. Me. It's much better than those tag team romantic comedy matches, right. if you ask me. First up, we have the ever popular, as he says, Buddy Lane, who gets booed. <laughs> Could this be more shitty? He looks like a rent-a-jobber. He's bad. Like, bad hair. Hey, you know, any jobber named Buddy, you know is shit. Like, yeah, no, if you're a jobber, buddy. or if your last name is Lane, usually, yeah. and you're a jobber, mm-hmm. uh, his partner is rock and roller Wayne Gillis, who may or may not be Jose Lothario Jr. by the looks of him. May I also point out yeah. the VCR shit on top of the screen the whole time? <laughs> it's awesome. Telling us that it's SLP and how long the tape's been it's running. True. Like, <laughs> the whole, no, it's true. It never goes away. Whoever copied this from another VCR, because that's the only way you'd see that display, yeah. left it on the whole time. They left the shit on how it's how awesome. do you do that it's great it's there for all time on the digital it is all time on the digital their opponents here are the cuban commandos who are the team of jerry morell and the cuban assassin the cuban assassin literally looks like fidel castro but like santa claus edition like his beard's longer and his gut is yeah. rounder it's so like it's such a like cliche lame I know. thing i i hate it it's the usual cuban assassin who's been like everywhere you know stampede yeah. that cuban okay oh that cuban oh, him. also like they're called the cuban am- commandos but one of them's named the cuban assassin why not just call the team the cuban assassins i yeah, never got I, that i don't know maybe they don't want to confuse the cuban assassin with you know what I mean? Jerry Morell or yeah, whatever. Jerry. <laughs> I just call them Jerry. Jerry. Our referee is Bernie Mustard or something, as the <laughs> acoustics in this dance hall or whatever it is are very echoey. Yeah, it sounds like an empty high school gym. Like, it literally sounds like when I was a kid, right? Yeah. I would play, like, basketball. Yeah, basketball. Uh, basketball with my friends in in the gym at, um, actually, elementary school, right? And it'd be, like, after school. Yeah. You know, for after school program or whatever. Smell of tater tots lingering. Yeah. yeah. There's like no one there, maybe just a couple people watching, you know, making sure we don't get hurt or whatever. Of course. Um, But it's got that that, like echo. Like, you know, like (laughs) if you you yelled over to your friend in the empty gym, like, hey. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, like this is what it sounds like, but there's people there, which means that this place is probably enormous. But there's only like 70 people in attendance or something. <laughs> it's a, you know? Something like that. So uh, Gillis and Jerry here start Morrow Bell. So the rope side had like shove and a shoulder block by Morrow off the ropes and Gillis with a drop kick and an arm drag into an arm bar. By the way, we get a look at the outside and the fans are so far away from the ring. Yeah. It's like New Japan. Yeah. You it, know, like that. It even has like some kind of weird scaffolding for the lightning like New Japan does. Yeah. Where it's just, I, it's clear that this place was not built for something like this. I don't know what it's built for. <laughs> 
don't know either. Very multi-purpose. Yeah. Uh, Gary Maxwell, by the way, is by himself, and he sounds like a young Rod Trongard. That's an interesting observation. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean that complimentary. I uh, just think it's weird that his name's Gare. Gare. Yeah. yeah. Must be French, right? I would think. Yeah, I guess. We work a headlock a while here in this tag team action match here, and I guess Wayne Gillis is supposed to be in Rock and Roller because he has stars on his tights and a mullet. I don't know. Yeah, I, nothing. I, also, I saw there was some kind of dangly thing on there, kind of like how oh, yeah. the Rockers wore. Yeah, he's a real Aerosmith yeah. over here. Still in the headlock. Cuban interferes, gets drop kicked and back dropped out by Gillis while still holding the headlock. Nice little spot, I'll admit. The heels bail to this ugly-ass cement floor here. Back inside, we get a tag to Cuban who looks <laughs> he looks like he's named after the sandwich with that gun. Yeah, seriously, he probably <laughs> eats that sandwich a lot. <laughs> Buddy Lane now and his mullet are in as everybody's all suspicious that the Cuban, he has a foreign object somewhere. As we get a nice view of Fidel's pants over <laughs> yeah, here. That camera also, shot? I seriously just think they wanted to say foreign object because he's not from... Oh, I, mean, I, I, that's, I, I detected that coming off Gare's mouth. Looks yeah. like he ate a bay of pigs. Yeah. Walk oh, up in a Cuban with an Irish whip, reversed in a backdrop by Lynn, is followed by a drop kick or two. Why are the Cubans the tag champs? They're I don't know. Their asses know they're, like, they're so good. But like, Buddy Lane. Yeah. Who is Buddy no Lane? One. Yeah. Neither of these guys mattered. I looked them up. Yeah. They're not notable. We get a quick tag now to Jerry, who promptly gets arm dragged and arm barred. And I gotta say this, I'm gonna be honest again, you know me and the announcing. Yeah. Gare is very pleasant. I don't He's have a good. With Gare. I, I don't either. It's it's honestly His name. it's it's everything else. It's the ambiance of yeah. this arena, it's the roster. Yeah. It's horrible. Gare is good though. Yeah. There's Buddy Lane, a beautiful flying truck again, another Buddy Lane with all kinds of heat on the Cuban assassin. Here's a tag and Jerry Morrow slowly climbing into the ring, and he's welcomed with an iron drag. Stand up for Gare. Morrow breaks out of an armbar. The heels try to double team, but Gillis wanders in to stop it, and the heels bail outside again. As you can see, like a hockey rink side yeah, thing side, or whatever, like, you know, the, the barrier thing. Yeah. Or is it a bullfighting <laughs> rink? Because it has like a cross in it, like they would let the bull out. Do they have uh, bullfighting in Canada? Maybe. I mean, they, maybe it's, they do. It, it is very agricultural. And remember, uh, you know. They do have rodeos. Okay, so yeah, here's the thing. Before I saw the Stampede pay-per-view, I never knew Canada had, like, a, a, a crazy farming scene in my life. Yeah, it's like the central states in the U.S. It's right, like, I didn't really. know it was so cowboy-esque over there, so that's why I'm like, it could be bullfighting or something, or rodeo, or whatever. Whale fighting. I don't even know. And when the Cubans wander, they wander on, like, a basketball <laughs> yeah, court. What is this place? Like, know. how many things? Like, I'm not joking. How many sports can you play here? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> if you look closer, there's a shuffleboard. <laughs> Yeah, on I'm the sure there's a bowling alley somewhere, too, in the back. <laughs> Pinball machine. Yeah. Cuban looks like he needs an enema, man. That guy, woo! Uh, Gillis <laughs> back in with Morel's side headlock. Drop down on Morel. Cuban interferes with the clothesline. And in case you're wondering, folks, this is not a particularly good match or anything. No, it's... It's a, very there. I'm like, when is it over? Yeah, I know. Cuban sneaks in at his uh, international object here, goes to work on Gillis. Backdrop gets two. Suplexa by Cuban. Meanwhile, Garrett tells us to write to the company here in New Brunswick, but, you know, Canada. Yes, New so Brunswick, Canadian. Yeah, very Canadian. <laughs> Make sure you write to us, folks. We get your cards yeah, yeah. and letters here. <laughs> they, they always do that. On these, Stampede did the same thing. Yeah, of course. That friendly guy with the carpet shirt, like, you know. <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> you know, the guy, the announcer guy is Al fans right to us, you know. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Ed, um, shit, what's his Ed name? Ed Carpet. What's Ed, his name? Ed Carpet, yes. Yeah. What is his name now? Now it's bothering Ed me. Ed Whalen. Thank you. Yeah. Ed Woolley. <laughs> Morella now, but he gets kicked on a backdrop attempt. Lane gets a semi-hot tag. He cleans house, tosses the heels into each other. Morella ends a backdrop, though, heads up top. Lane heads up top and just super 
superplexes him right off. Superplexa. Superplexa. Cuban comes in to interfere, but so is Gillis now. So the ref sends Gillis out as the Cubans do the spike pile driver on lane, and it's all over. The Cubans win, and I'll tell you this, it was absolutely a wrestling match. Yeah, it was all over the place. Yeah. Literally, the Cubans could fail horribly, and their HP bars would like instantly go back up <laughs> again like they had like Game Genie. It sucked. <laughs> like, their recovery was insane. Like, was- there, there's like three different points where they were in peril and they're just like no and then they just like literally like game genie coded and they were like invincible again it's like smackdown 2 for playstation where no one sells anything <laughs> yeah know? exactly it's like hawk in real life yeah but this is back in the nes days so <laughs> right. game genie they would genie. be their only choice that's right yeah. quinn uh we go to break here total cereal will be right back. i mean world grand prix <laughs> yeah really with that logo seriously it's like serially yeah serially <laughs> anyway we're back with Pat Brady being introduced. He looks like a heavenly body and dirty. <laughs> like, ugh. His opponent runs out in a 1993 Bob Backlund windbreaker. It is Phil Lafleur. Now, wait a second. Is this one of the Lafon brothers or whatever? Yes, Quinn. It's Philip Lafon, which is Furnace Lafon's brother. Right. Furnace's brother, <laughs> yes. Philip Lafon. It actually is Philip Lafon, yeah, but yeah. under this name, Philip Lafleur. Did his brother come in at some point in this company? I Probably. Yeah. Probably, honestly. Doug Furnace is probably there. Well, the who? Re- I mean, Furnace LaFam yeah. was probably there. Referee is Ron Gogan, maybe, or something like that. Uh, we have a bell as Gare hypes up Philip LaFam. By the way, SLP, in case you forgot. <laughs> Thanks, Super Quinn. long play, Just baby. Got to remind everyone yeah. here. Uh, lock up, clean break on the ropes. And I'm saying LaFam this whole time because it's a lot easier to type than LaFleur, so yeah. I wrote it as LaFam. I, I you know what I mean? Foot, LaFleur. <laughs> like, I, in my notes, I was just making his name up. Yeah, uh, that's fine. It's the same guy. LaFon brother over here. (laughs) LaFon. Yeah. Irish whip by LaFon. Shoulder block by Brady. As Gare says, Brady is the second cousin of Rowdy Roddy Piper. What is that campaign? (laughs) Like, I've never heard that one before. It's not true. And honestly, at this point in my notes, I literally just kept calling him Piper Jr. (laughs) Because they said second cousin, and four seconds later in my head, when I was, I'm not kidding, I totally forgot what relation, so I just said Piper's son (laughs) or whatever. Like, I'm not kidding. Now, you know what's funny, though? Roddy Piper in real life says that he's a cousin of the Hart family, so does that mean that... Oh, wait, this guy's... Bra- yeah. <laughs> you know, he wrestled over in the Maritimes, which is not a very good territory there. <laughs> related to my cousin, Roddy Piper. <laughs> yeah, seriously, Brett would... You know Brett would have no respect for this guy. No. wasn't a very good wrestler. wasn't a very good wrestler. <laughs> like, but he was my uh, second cousin, or whatever. Roddy Piper's second cousin. Yeah. Lock-up side headlock by Rowdy Pat Brady here. LaFer with a whip as the ring sounds like Santa's sleigh for a second. <laughs> yeah. What was that? <laughs> It's, okay, Joe. It it's, jingled. It's once again the kind of ring where it sounds like they have like a box of fucking screws underneath. <laughs> what is that? Like, why is this a, a consistent thing in like shitty promotions where the ring sounds like there's a box of screws under it? Is that necessary? Can they move that shit? I, I as soon as you hear it once, you know it sounds like I can't take it when there's something in my car, right? Like there's something jingling, like there's like loose change or something. I have to move it. Like this would drive me fucking crazy if I was in there and like like all this stuff moving around, like a box of tools or like <laughs> wrenches or something. I, I don't know what the fuck is moving around, but they need to get it out of the ring. It's horrible. <laughs> Philip LaFoe with the clothesline here. Side headlock again. Shove up by Brady, but he goes down again to a shoulder block. Crowd likes it a little bit at least. Hammerlock now and a takedown by LaFon, but Brady reverses into a hammerlock of his own. And again, I have to note, Garrett Maxwell, not bad at all. I'm a big fan of Garrett. <laughs> that, that seems to be the uh, thread in That's this one. That's the only huh? good thing. LaFon reverses into a waist lock takedown off the ropes. Nice clothesline by LaFon gets two as Rotten Ron Starr wanders over to do commentary. It sounds like he's from Arkansas, Joe. He probably which I, guess, is. I guess that's the world aspect here, yeah, I suppose. Oh, like, world. 
world, different yeah. different parts. I mean, they're Canada, right? Yeah. So America, yeah. that it's that in, right? See, yeah, he's definitely not Canadian. That's yeah. for sure. Corner whip by Brady into a monkey flip. Now a star puts over Lafon on commentary. Lock up Lafon with a wrist lock and an arm ringer into a takedown. Lafon rides a headlock on the mat as Star and Gare talk about how the Cuban and Leo Burke had this big incident last week. Apparently, uh, the Cuban really injured Leo Burke. We'll be hearing more about that later. Unfortunately. <laughs> Star brags about how he defeated Leo Burke in New Orleans in front of 72,000 people. Meanwhile, everyone in the Coke can is sleeping. <laughs> what, and what is he... 72... That, that's impossible for this well, company. Well, not... No, just he meant, like, somewhere else. Okay, when it definitely wasn't In New here, Orleans. Yeah. yeah, I mean, New Orleans isn't in Canada. Right. Remember? That's true. Louisiana. But you never know. The Maritimes. If your Hulk Hogan, the Silverdome is in... World Tour... World Grand Prix, Joe. They, yeah. they must perform everywhere. Japan, I wonder, Germany. Very big in Sheboygan. Africa. Yeah. Kuwait, India. Kuwait. All the places. I wonder if uh, that was the Superdome. I wonder if there really was some big NWA Superdome show that I'm not aware Leo of. Leo Burke headlined it. No. it was. They were probably the opener if yeah. they were wrestling there. <laughs> anyway, Brady gets the upper hand again. Lands a European uppercut. Nice belly to belly by Brady is called a chest to chest suplex. Suplexa. Never heard that yeah. one before. <laughs> Irish whip by Brady. He tries a <laughs> kick. LaFon grabs the leg, gets a half crab. Brady makes the ropes. Irish whip now. LaFon with the head down. Eats a knee. Front face lock by Brady, but LaFon turns that into like a fireman's carry drop, which yeah, is pretty was cool. Actually, I, I thought it looked like a, a Samoan drop, like yeah, a maybe. running Samoan drop. It was a nice move. Yeah. A very, very poor small package by LaFon gets two because Brady kicks him in the balls. Which I thought was good. It's like... <laughs> There yeah, you go. That was fine. Rowdy Piper. Uh, but Ron Stark couldn't see it from his vantage point. Right. That's what yeah, he said. So the vantage point <laughs> was slipped in, which I personally put a note oh, because yeah. I, anytime it's said, it's canon on this show yes. that you must accept yes. like that. You have to write it down somewhere. They're when giving they us a, a shout out, obviously. Right. They, I mean, they always were putting us over uh-huh. back then. That was totally uncalled for. Accidental. The man was kicking out. Pat Brady was in a pin situation. He just tried to kick out. And maybe he caught a low blow there. I couldn't see it from my vantage point here. Brady with a right hand on the slam of the turnbuckle. Suplexa by Brady gets two as the tape fucks up. Yeah, we don't even know if that's true that he got two. Because they just say it when they come back from the fuck up. Yeah, I don't know what that was. We stay in a arm bar here for a while before uh, we switch to an abdominal stretch. Of course, Gorilla Monstar over here points <laughs> out that uh, Brady doesn't have it put on right. And sure enough, LaFon flips right out of the abdominal stretch and then lands some forearms and a clothesline, followed by a body slam. He goes all the way up top and lands a pretty good splash for the win. Honestly, Quinn, I thought this was okay. It yeah, was okay. as Phil storms through the basketball <laughs> yeah. arena to leave. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah, I did. Like, you just see him like, he just like gets the fuck <laughs> yeah. out of there when he gets the win. Like, bye, I won. Yeah, and it's, like, it's like, you got basketball. <laughs> yeah, you <know>, like basketball. <laughs> this wasn't bad. Uh, honestly, I didn't yeah. think it was bad. But we get some promos now for the upcoming shows. On June 15th, we'll be in Bridgewater. The 16th in Berwick. Mm-hmm. 17th in Antigonosh. And the 18th, Quinn, we come back home to the Coke can. Please go to these shows, <laughs> yep. basically. Coke can. Coke can. Again, that's another <laughs> time they said it yeah, it's true the action continues monday at the cocaine arena unfortunately a commercial for like horseshoes is cut off yeah, what? so which seemed like the most canadian thing because like i was saying they're very uh agricultural yes. or whatever i, I, <laughs> I don't mean just, the game horseshoes i mean actual shoes actual, for horses like, say hey do you need horseshoes yeah like get, get that, some that's, nikes. What, that's what i thought like they're like get some nikes for your horse <laughs> you know Imagine if Nike, like, you know, we want to get in all the, the, the shoe business. It's like, we can handle horses, and they actually, like, sold horseshoes. Air Jordans for horses? Air shoes. Like, Amazing. Yeah. Anyway. The lightest horseshoes you can find. 
This for, pro- the sports edition for, improve, for horses. It'll improve your jumping game. Yeah. Back to the ring now. We'll it'll improve the- your gallop. <laughs> Back to the ring where the Mongolian is introduced. He looks like just a bad version of Killer Khan, mm-hmm. which is saying something. His opponent, Quinn, is the balding Leo Burke. Yeah, he just looks like Iron Anderson, perpetually 50 years old. <laughs> Seriously. Like, he could it's be true. 25 here, and I wouldn't, I would believe it. I forget Honestly, how old because he is. I, like, how old could he possibly be? I think he's like 41 or two. Yeah, which isn't as 40s. old as he looks. No, he looks yeah. 50. He always looks 50. Yep. Uh, Bernie Swiss Charter, whoever is our referee again, is Burke has powder blue undies. And now, Frenchie Martin is on oh, commentary. Come on. You know, because Canada, of course, he's there. Why? He, he sounds terrible. He sounds like the French Duke of Dorchester. He's terrible. He sounds like he's smoking 50 cigarettes simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like... Why is he on commentary? Yeah. You know, Leo Berg's been uh, here in the maritime as an idol for a lot of people. Mongolian is dressed, by the way, like Bobby Heenan, and he has his physique to match. Oh, boy. Uh, Irish whip by Burke into the corner, does nothing to follow it up. Then he gets two off of a crappy knee drop, going for a chin lock here. Mongolian now makes the ropes. Seriously, both of these guys could have been on heavyweight wrestling. They're so old. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, they look like I swear the Mongolian that I've seen him. On that heavyweight, probably black and white, maybe. Not kidding. He's not good, by yeah. the way. He's old and like just fat and rubbery. <laughs> Frenchie th- threatens to start managing more people. Which oh is, my god, no! Oh, please, please, no! Just what this promotion needs. He then calls Gare Maxwell House, which actually <laughs> made me like, chuckle. It's okay, hey, Maxwell House. I'm um, going with some really crummy heel offense. You know, punches and shit. <laughs> and he but he, he busts open the previously cut open Burke. So Probably that's the same taping. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Pretty good visual. Last week, which immediately I was like, oh, you mean three minutes ago? Yeah, probably. Uh, Frenchie says Leo Burke is a nobody. Irish whip, head down, and Burke kicks the Mongolian. Burke now with some punches. He's a house of old pine soul, really. (laughs) That's probably what he smells like. (laughs) And Frenchie's funny here. He's like, a punch? That has nothing to do with wrestling. He has seven cigars fall out of his mouth. (laughs) Awful backdrop by Burke here, and then he gets an Irish whip into his sleeper. I'll tell you what, though. Burke looks awesome with the crimson mask on his face. It's a good, bloody face there. It doesn't help that he's 600 <laughs> years old, whatever. The Methuselah of wrestling. Yeah. He uh, he gets the win with the sleeper, and that's that. That was a wrestle-wrestle type of thing. It was okay. Yeah. Uh, we go to break, and we come back with <laughs> Stompin' Paul Peller, who's oh, in the boy. ring. <laughs> Stompin' Paul yeah. Peller. I guess he's Clara Peller's yeah, son, maybe. Yes, I mean, you know, she's a big legacy in the business. <laughs> that's right. Finding that beef <laughs> yeah, somewhere. Not being able to speak into a mic. <laughs> But everyone gets so mad when we point that out. They're like, oh, she's old. Well, fucking put it. Don't put her on there. Then. She was not- on TV. <laughs> she spoke at a mic there. What are you talking about? I've seen things with her from, like, you know, David Letterman or whatever the fuck she was on to promote this shit. It's not like she doesn't know that you're supposed to speak in the microphone. I understand that she's old. She's from a time before the microphone. Yeah, but, before the talkie was invented. But also, she's also from a time from when the microphone was invented, which means she knows how it works. Kind of like how we were from the time when like computers were invented, so we know how they work. So, Claire, she knew. She fucked up. She didn't speak into it. End of story. I agree with that. Yeah. His opponent here, with bad to the bone as his entrance music, I was very surprised, some licensed music here, it is Rotten Ron Starr. He looks like Rick Rude with shitty hair, <laughs> and he has the worst tights. They have the support <laughs> strap. Yeah. And so does Stompin, by the way. Yeah. Let's not Let's not that. take that away yeah. from him. They're both, it's double support straps. You know that's a Quinn Ugh. favorite right there. <laughs> yeah, Starr's tights, he has like the singlet, but he has the really low scoop where it goes like down to the belly button. Yeah, which means they need the fucking support. Support strap right. on the 
back, which is the most unnecessary invention for spandex <laughs> I've ever seen. Ron Cognac or whatever is the ref here. Peller looks like he's about 57 years like old. Count. Yes, he does. Yeah. Quinn, he really does. Lockup goes nowhere as now Harley Race joins commentary. Excuse me, what? what? Harley what Race is, this? is here? Yeah. Harley Race. Uh, huh? Harley just left. Remember, he lost that kingship. Yeah, only been a few months, actually. Good point there. Uh, headlock by Star. Harley talks about how he has a match tonight against The Beast as we get a reversal by Peller, who kind of resembles Poppy from Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> he does some actual dancing, Quinn. Yeah, this is hideous. Like, Shucking hate, and jiving or I'm something. Gonna, I'm going to flat out say, I hate this match. Like, I, I know, hate it a I, lot. You hate it so much. Yeah. Harley's all, he floats like a bee. He stings like a fly. Shut like, up. What? Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Arm drag by Star, who yells, Two points, my favor, which I really mm. found funny. I'm not going to lie. Peller with a wrist lock here as we see a shot of the fully bearded Harley Race yeah, at the commentary beard, table. Right? Yeah. yeah, blonde beard, no less. Blonde not beard. Like he, he dyed it or anything. Yeah, very strange. Lock up again, shoved to the corner by Peller, slot by Peller to applause and more dancing. I hate this. <laughs> I hate this so much. This dance, the straps, everything. The bad hair. Yeah, the bad hair. Ron Star. Everyone looks old. Harley race on commentary. Yeah. Star with a drop toe hold and some stomping here. Right hands in the corner by Star, and he rips off some of Peller's tights, Quinn. Well, not having the sports strap is dangerous for these old men. That's true. Yeah. Good, good heel move by yeah. Star. You know, <laughs> get rid like, of that sports like, strap. Oh, I can't stand up anymore. Like, <laughs> got to get back in his wheelchair. This match feels like a battle between like two truck drivers, and I guess I mean that in a good way. Ugh. Harley race now says that we've been watching pure action. Shut as, up. As Star grabs a front face lock. Yeah. Horrible! <laughs> Clothesline gets two for Star. As Harley now talks about how the people here smell like fish. <laughs> now that made me laugh. Yes. That, was, that was so random. I know. Like it was just out of nowhere. It's like, and the people, they smell like fucking fish. <laughs> now Gare gets a little uh Gare gets a little feisty here. He's like, Harley, if you're so great, why do you need Frenchie Martin to manage? That's a good you? question. <laughs> I know honestly. the good point. Yeah. Because Frenchie's such crap. Yeah, he's one of the worst managers ever. <laughs> Peller bells out to fix his singlet. Please end. Like, please end this. Star follows after him, so Peller grabs a wooden chair. Star steals it, though. Whacks Peller with it, which I guess you can just do in this company. This chair shot, Joe, was so fucking poor. <laughs> what was your problem? Like, okay, so this is why I want to... Let me explain what happened here. He hits him, right? Um, Claire Peller or whatever. He, the Stompin' Joe Dance or whatever. Yeah, Stompin' Joe Dance. He hits him, right? And then fucking Strappy Iron, he doesn't even, like, sell it. And he's just like, give me that. And then he, like, hits, like, how did that, like, that's insane. Like, that doesn't even make any sense. Like, You're right, he's just, no, mine. Yeah, like, he's like, that didn't hurt because you did it, Dance. And then he just rips it out of his hands. Hits him with it, and then then on top of it, Stomp kind of no sells it and just rolls into the ring. Yeah, it was very poor. Yeah, like all, everything about that spot was bad, and the ref didn't care. Yeah, I guess because it's on the outside. Maybe that's the I rules guess here. Anything goes in World Grand Prix. Yeah, that's right, Grand Prix. Yeah. Quinn, uh, back in now, a corner whip and a clothesline by Star gets this two. This sucks ass. It's so long. <laughs> it's so long. Peller is back on offense now with big rights in the corner. End this. End it now. Back body drop gets two. For Peller. Star gets a big boot and then a Boston Crab with a hidden rope assist as Peller just gives up.
up. Yeah, it was like a hidden rope assist for dance. Like, he was in the ropes. It should have been broken up. Uh, this wasn't even bad. And in my notes, I was like, I bet Quinn hated it. It was hideous, Joe. It, it was, wasn't that bad. So bad. It, it was, was like, fine. It was like 15 minutes on like a 45-minute show. It was a grueling battle between no, two wasn't. grizzled veterans, Quinn, and the best wrestler of all time at commentary, Please Harley Race. that chair spot. It, it was it, terrible. It was one of the, it was one of the worst things. And the strappies. It was all, it was all bad. Yeah. Uh, someone just climbs into the ring as we go to break, but they yeah. don't say anything. Yeah, Harley Race like, who's that? And then yeah. it just like cuts away to like the fucking winter fresh gum version of, yeah. the, of the World Grand Prix logo. Yeah, it's real. Like it's just green and again, but it's got like the snow or something. I don't know. I'm kidding. The I'm Alpine kidding. version. It literally looks like winter fresh gum. No, you're right. Like, it's, I, I, it's insane. I don't disagree yeah. with that. We're back now as the beast is introduced in the ring. Looking very fucking French. <laughs> like an ass. Yeah. Next. Jean-Pierre Le French. <laughs> Speaking of French, Frenchy Martin leads King Harley race down no, the aisle. That's not legal. He lost that <laughs> shit. He stole that back. What happened yeah. here, huh? Frenchie's got his regular, like, light blue smock on, Quinn. Mm-hmm. And can I ask a question here? <laughs> what? Why is there a really, really <laughs> shitty version of oh, Pomp and Circumstance playing? horrible. Like, I didn't even think a bad version of this song existed, but lo and behold, it's fucking Grand Prix. Let make them, they'll find it. It's, it's like, hold my beer, right? It's, it's like, literally, hold my beer, finding the shittier version of the song. It sounds like they're playing it on a gramophone. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing is fucking terrible. Like, <laughs> it, it is so bad. <laughs> I like Harley too. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I really but like this Harley was Race. A bad like, no, this, music choice. Very here. bad. And Frenchie. Yeah. Uh, Harley, by the way, has the king robe too, folks. Yeah. The whole the whole thing. Song and dance here. The one notable difference besides the beard is he's got. I've never seen this from him. A purple singlet on. That yeah. was weird. Uh, lock up now, Harley, with a corner whip reverse and a back body drop by the Beast. As Gareth says, cocaine <laughs> rain again. I literally cannot find proof he sang anything else. <laughs> like, I'm not... I, I listened. I really thought that this was me just mishearing it, and they just kept saying it. I've, like, again, they, the whole show. I forget how the real thing is spelled, but it's clearly pronounced cocaine. 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 Like yeah, the no, kind really. That I drink Coke yes, cans. Right? No, that's actually how it's pronounced. Matt, is there like a Coke bottle arena in Canada? Also, like I, there's a Pepsi arena somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Pepsi can arena. Ron Starr again barges in the commentary again. <laughs> Just to complain. <laughs> this is funny. I'm yeah. sorry, Quinn. To complain about how the referee thought he cheated. Like, yeah, I, it, it's literally complaining about yeah, nothing. It's very nothing. He, it's very heel. Right? There's nothing. To, he won. Like, he won. Yeah, he won. Just like, it's like he thought I cheated. <laughs> So, so mad, fuck him. That's like, kind of funny. I'm sorry. You know, Ron Starr, in all seriousness, Mick Foley, I think, was it? Someone credited him with really, like, being one of those innovative brawlers. And he, he's been around everywhere, Ron he Starr. He reminds me of Dr. D. Doc, not Dr. Death. Dr. No, D, Dr. right? Yeah, not Dr. <laughs> Dr. Death's horrible. Dr. No, he's D. not. What do you mean? <laughs> Dr. D is even more... He's better than fucking Dr. Death, in my I opinion. I don't know about yeah. that. Well, talking, yeah. yeah. For sure, at talking. And, and just a character in general. As a character, yeah. <laughs> Harley Bell's... He ain't, no, he ain't JR's boy. But, no, that's you know, for sure. He's someone's boy. Harley Bell's out to walk around. Back in now. Lock up in a knee by Harley and some punches. Beast fires back with rights. Tosses Harley to the floor. Beast now follows out and catches a knee as Harley slams Beast into the commentary table and then whacks him with a chair. Good. Yeah. Now that was the good chair shot and the good table bump or whatever. Well, like, unlike the fucking strap 
brothers over there. <laughs> well, as we know, Quinn, Harley Race is hardcore. Yeah, he you don't is fuck hardcore. With you him. don't fuck with him. He's good. And he's in his French, you know, <laughs> the rules are a little more lax here. That's right. He's he, very liberal. Man, you know, Harley, French. Harley, <laughs> yeah, French. Harley Race really just is always good, isn't he? He is, even with these shitty tights. Seriously, on, yeah, but and he's still good. In 89. Yeah. He's always good. Uh, back he just in, knows what he's doing. He's yeah. just a pro. Yeah. Back in, knee lift by Harley, Irish whip head down, and Beast falls on Harley in a really awkward spot. Uh, corner whip by Beast, and Harley tumbles all the way to the outside. I love that bump. I love Harley Race. He's back in again, gets caught in a bear hug. Star's like, yeah, that'll make a bear give up. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> I just love the idea of like a bear being like, Ah, fuck, I give up. Yeah. <laughs> like you're, you're wrestling a bear. Let me go eat garbage or whatever. It's like, fuck this. Ah, fuck, I give You got any food? Yeah. <laughs> Frenchie hops up on the apron, takes a swing with the flag, but he accidentally nails Harley instead. Beast punches Frenchie down, and then he gets the pin? What was this? Like <laughs> the, a, <laughs> This old, crummy Beast guy beat swear, Harley Race? At this point, the thing, I swear, like, they, they, they mentioned briefly, I think, that, like, Leo's the champ or yes. something, but they, I swear they also said Harley Race was the champ. Maybe, I don't so know. I was super confused here. I thought there was a title change. I'm I not don't know. Kidding, I didn't I see anyone with a belt. Nobody had a belt at all. We, we need to note that, by the way, because yeah. if Leo is the champ, he wrestled before, he had no belt. Yeah, no belt. Yeah, Zero so belt. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's because Grand Prix, it's more like a trophy situation. Right, maybe you win a cup. Yeah, and you have to drive a car and something. <laughs> I don't know. Possibly. Frenchie now storms in and attacks Beast from behind a star cheer them on from commentary so leo burke now wanders in with a t-shirt wrapped around his head so star leaves the commentary table yeah, storms in the ring good. yeah and now literally the whole roster from the show enters the ring everyone brawls it's kind of fun Quinn. lots of action here in the coke can yeah. Right now, you know? yeah you're right everybody finally settles down and leaves the ring so we're left with burke in the middle and he's calling out the cuban but cuban decides to bail gare's like nobody's going for coffee right now <laughs> i can tell you that Burke takes off his pants now to reveal his wrestling trucks, but no one wants to fight him. He is fired he's up. He's all huffy. Very, Very huffy. Huff. A lot of huff. Now, Paul Peller comes in to support Burke. That, that's dancey. Yeah, that's dancey. Stomp. And the Cubans both hop up on top of the apron. Burke slingshots Jerry Morrill into the ring, but he quickly bails out. Now, Emile Dupree himself I wanders out. I that. I'm I, like, I only knew because Gare said the okay. promoter, Emile Dupree. Oh, that oh, promoter, right? Yeah, okay. he's like the promoter. That's Emile Dupree is here. the promoters here. Okay. So he's trying to restore order. Harley races in the ring. Burke kicks his ass as everyone gets back in again. Phil LaFleur is back out here, too. There's also a lot of standing yeah. around. There's people just like, oh, what, yeah, what, what do we do? We do? <laughs> it's like it's a fucking brawl fight. <laughs> yeah. The faces clear the ring now. Burke follows Harley out of the ring. They brawl outside. Harley gets back in the ring with a chair, but Burke nails him with it, stands tall by himself, and then Burke goes over to talk to Garrett ringside, where he basically calls out the Cuban for being a fucking asshole, and then we go to break. We come back now where the Beast is suddenly cutting a promo. Yeah, in an empty Coke can this yes, time. Yes, like very much like those uh, championship wrestling promos from 82. Right. With Vince in front of the ring. Yeah, very much like when the Coke is out of your can also. Right, when the can is just, it's just empty and it's all tinny. You gotta crush yeah. it up and throw yeah. it out. Uh, by the way, the Beast with these close-ups here, he looks like a, v- a Vachon with okay, hair. Okay, that's what I, I couldn't, the whole, I was looking at him the whole time, I was like, I just feel like this guy looks so familiar. He does, but yeah. he, he's not related. I looked it up. That's weird, because he looks exactly like them. Like either of them, he's got right? Hair he's got hair on top of his head. Yeah. He's got the same kind of beard, though. Same beard and same, like, thickness raisin to his, face. Like, yeah. He's got, no, he's got the same thickness to his hair, also. Like, that distinct, yeah. like, Dark black, jet black beard. Yeah, he looks like Butcher or Mad Dog. Yeah. He honestly does. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he says Maritimer a real lot. Yeah, but th- this is the only time 
When you told me at the beginning, like before the break, the Maritimes or whatever, yes. this is the only time in the show I heard them say the yeah, Maritimes. Like the Maritimes. And that's it. Gare just signs off. Okay, so my thoughts, Quinn. I know you hated it. I know you hated it, but you can say why and everything, but it wasn't that bad. It was okay. Okay. Here's my opinion on this. Go I ahead. think most of this was shitty. The end was really fun, though. I think okay. the end redeemed it, and I think that also leaves that taste in your mouth like, oh, this wasn't that bad, but... Up until that, like, Harley race part, like, at the end, it, yeah. was, it wasn't a good show. Well, I didn't mind the, the Ron Starr match. I know you hated it, but I thought I it was like actually... It. I know, it's okay. way too long. You don't have yeah. to like it. I didn't like the Cubans match too much. Yeah, that match stunk. I guess it I wasn't was that good. Like, I think I was just kind of, like, aggravated by the time I got to that long fucking match with Ron, Ron Starr. Star, yeah, and Stompy. And, and then, it, like, they were taking forever. And then that shitty chair thing really, like, that upset me. Like, pissed I was you like, off, huh? What the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, you know, like, you know, when you just see something and you're like, what are they even doing? Like, yeah. It's just like killing time and just horrible. Right. Yeah. I, I understand what you mean. The ending yeah. was fun, though. It and felt I, like something was happening. I, I just don't know why this company existed in all honesty. Like, that's, that's just that's a summer biggest, fun yeah, I tour. Don't, I don't. What, nobody it, knows who these people are they, either. Because well, a lot of them are old. They clearly weren't there to uh, to make tons of money, I guess. This is one of those situations where you have to wonder if the crowd is like, is Hulk Hogan going to be here? No, not up there. I think they know better. I don't know. Hogan did the big event. was only a couple years back. Yeah. Hogan was in Canada. Yeah, but that's Toronto. This is like one of those family-owned promotions that was been around for, you know, since the 60s. It's like a stampede. Yeah. Where the fans there know. You know I what I mean? I get it. I just, they're, they're, to me, when you promote a wrestling event, anywhere near the WF territory in the Northeast. And this is technically there. Um, yeah. I just, yeah. I, yeah. I, I just, Part of NAFTA. I think there's people who genuinely are like, Oh, it's wrestling. It's like what Hulk is macho man. Like, where's he like, you know, I think the fans that go to this live in their own little world, these yeah. Maritimers, and they probably know full go back well, to the lighthouses or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. They're boathouses and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it was okay. And I just wanted one more note on Gare here. I looked him up. I was like, who is this guy? Did- <laughs> yeah, he is a weird dude. Right. So apparently he was, at the time, you know, when he started doing this, a veteran sportscaster. I was I was just going to ask, did he do the news? <laughs> yeah, something like that. And now, you know what he is? He is a business motivational speaker. He does weird. those types of things. Like a business guy. You know the the types where these people get paid a lot of money to a talk? seminar? Yeah. A seminar type of guy. Gare Maxwell. He's very bald now. He has no hair. Maybe he nared his Gare hair. Thank you. All right. Well, I think that's it for this. Uh, I'm glad that we... Look. I'm glad we got out of the South. Right. But we went, can we not return to the Maritimes for a while? We went a little too north. I think we might need to return to the homeland next week, Quinn. What uh, do you think? Yeah, maybe get back we'll, to, we'll see. to the WF or so. Yeah. We'll, we'll find or out, Maybe folks. there's some territory in the WF area. Let's see? We'll have yeah. to find out. All that and more next week, folks, as we will be back with another week in the world of retro wrestling. Thank you guys so much for being with us here. We've enjoyed romping through the world of retro wrestling with you. If you like the show, be sure to follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Join the group. If you have iTunes, Apple Podcasts, we really would appreciate a review there. And if you want more content, you don't mind spending a couple of bucks a month, go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But until next week, I am Joe Murata. That is Michael Quinn. And we are out of here. See ya. I'm lucky enough to have with me the incomparable Gare Maxwell. Gare is a phenomenal steward of how to build 
brands and marketing messages that resonate. Uh, Garrett, give us a little bit of a background of what you've been up to these last few days. Well, and I think thank you for the kind words, Mark, and I'm so delighted we, we bumped into each other here on this trip to Edmonton, but fundamentally, the forthcoming book that I'm working on, it's called Big Little Legends, and it explores the issue of how everyday leaders, people just like you watching, how do everyday leaders build irresistible brands? Who cares? Who cares?